Can you turn my headset down a little bit? Yes, sir. Oh, it's loud. Is it loud? Oh. Actually, wow, that's there weird. There goes that here. Yeah. There goes that here drum. Hey, you don't have the controls? I don't, do you? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Uh, can, can you, uh, can we uh, turn down Mike's one over there? Because I, is it that loud, Mike? He, yeah, he's loud. Mike, 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 Mike. Mike. making it worse. <laughs> okay, go Just a little bit. It's uh, okay. I do your normal level now. Mike, yeah. Mike, 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 Mike. <laughs> That's my level today. <laughs> he's <on> Mike's, <laughs> poor Mike's going to have to get spacers. He's on 11 today. He's going to be deaf. He's going to be deaf. Yikes. You want some tissue? We can stick some tissue in there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if it's going to work. <laughs> but it's okay. I, I, I get get through this. Did I get turned down or not? Did I? Did I? Did you? Did anybody? Yep. Okay. Thank you. you know about the genetical makeup of human beings, but every human being is unique. The new type of group morality, group ethic. This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. back again for another episode of Dale Jr. Download. With me is my co-host Mike Davis and then Matthew Dillner. Leah, everybody's in the house. We got Buckshot Jones coming up on the show here in a bit. Can't wait to talk to him. Uh, haven't heard from him in forever. Don't know what he's been up to. Uh, and he has quite the uh, quite the reputation, quite the, quite, quite the racing history. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's get right into it though, man. This weekend... Uh, I got to broadcast. Uh, I got to control, run the broadcast. I don't even know what you call it. Play by I got play. to do play by play. Yeah, I don't even know how to. So play by play. I got to do that again. I, do, I did it at New Hampshire for the Xfinity race and a couple races. I got to do it for the Xfinity race this weekend. Had a little fun at the expense of our buddy, the America's crew chief, Mike. Oh yeah, you uh, you you yeah. you took a shot. I felt not really. I felt it was a little. It's bit not of a shot. shot. It was I, not a shot. So jab. Uh, not poke. a jab. Nope, not a poke. A poke in the ear. I think that's a little bit too aggressive. Okay. We'll, well, let, let, we'll let the listeners decide. Let them so Larry McReynolds is known as America's crew chief. That's on, right. right. And he works for Fox, right? We have, we're have we competitive, but it's a good competition, right? We want them to do well because then we we all do well. If, if they're doing sure. well, NASCAR's doing well, the numbers are up, that typically bleeds into our coverage. All that works together. So there's a friendly rivalry competition, whatever. Uh, but I will say this, like during, uh, when the season comes to an end, the Fox season comes to an end, you are going to get a text from Larry and several other people saying, all right, guys, all y'all's good luck. Have fun. Enjoy it. That's nice. They're super cool about it. Absolutely. So, uh, but anyhow, Larry is America's crew chief. No denying that. Right. And so I got to, uh do the play-by-play and I'm sitting there right before we're coming on air and I'm thinking man I want it I don't want to just say with me is Jeff Burton and Latart I want to how do I let people know that I like these guys these are my (laughs) friends and without just saying these are my friends right welcome to the show these are my friends (laughs) um what could I do what could I and so Jeff Burton's nickname is the mayor people call him the mayor of NASCAR right so uh that was easy. And then when I got to Steve, I was like, well, he's, a, he's everybody's favorite crew chief. You said America's favorite. I know, but he, that's my thought. Oh, he's you're every, thinking everybody's favorite crew he's chief. He's everybody's favorite crew chief. So that's a great way to announce him. And what if I said he's America's favorite crew chief? 
I know <laughs> that Larry Mack is America's crew chief. And that might be something that kind of triggers maybe Larry or some somebody at Fox. So you did say it with the intent of yeah. giving yeah. Yeah. And so the next day on Sunday, <laughs> on Sunday, I think uh, we're standing there in the booth, and Rick says, uh, hey, man, that was funny. You introduced him as America's favorite crew chief. I, I bet that really uh, that really got somebody's attention. I'm like, yeah, I did it on purpose. I thought it was uh, – you know, I wanted to introduce him, and then I thought, well, I'll do it that way, and it's not – we're not going to keep doing it. But uh, he did it. So I think Rick, Rick Allen did it. also announced him as America's favorite crew chief. <laughs> So, yeah, after Rick Allen said that on Sunday, then Danielle Trotta then tweeted at you guys. Yeah. And was like, no, 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 no. And, this, and I think she's right. She's defending her yeah. guy. So that was it. That was the win. You felt that was it? That, like, like, <laughs> yeah, you, I guess. Good grief. I mean, you kind of like threw a shot and then it was well, like, no, okay, so we're over now. We're done. I think they owe you one. Well, the truth is, is that I, think, I told Rick, I said, let's just keep this going for as long as we can till, <laughs> till you know, Till somebody says something, right? And not just not just Danielle. So, but he went on Sirius XM early Monday and spilled the beans. Rick Allen did. Yeah, yeah. Somebody tweeted that uh, Rick's on XM spilling the beans, telling the telling the telling the dirty truth. Dale Jr., you're in trouble. Come on, Rick. Yeah, Rick. We should see what Rick says. Come on. Should we I call mean, him? Should we call Rick? Call it. Call yes, him. call him. All right, I'll call Rick. <laughs> Meanwhile, Fox is going to get Jeff Gordon off vacation and say, hey, and they're going to introduce him as, uh, you know, uh, most popular driver, Jeff Gordon. <laughs> yep, I'm going to call him. Hey, but, you, but, you know, America's favorite is different than America's legality. Here we go. See if he'll answer. How are you, my friend? Hey, Rick, you're on air, okay? So be careful what you say. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm on my podcast, and I got, a tw- yeah. I got a tweet this morning that you were spilling the dirt on XM – about our um, America's favorite crew chief. So I will admit. <laughs> that, hold on, I'm gonna. I want to back up just a second. Okay. Since I'm on it, but I will admit that I got called out on SiriusXM as uh, Daniel Trotta said that I said Steve was America's favorite crew chief. Okay. And, and she was mad about it. Oh no. So I called in and I said. Danielle, it's a form of flattery. Anytime you recognize somebody or something that someone else is, you know, maybe known for, I said, that's a form of flattery. So, Larry, you should be flattered by it. And then I said, and by the way, I'm guessing that you guys didn't watch the Xfinity race. (laughs) (laughs) And they were kind of like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, because it was actually Dale Jr. who said that uh, during the Xfinity race. That's how he introduced him, and we had a little bit of fun with it, and so I did it during the cup race. And they started laughing. They're like, oh, we didn't know that. And then they backtracked. Because yeah. they thought it was me. <laughs> but when it was you, all of a sudden it wasn't bad. Oh. Well, she, she tweeted out that I need to get another nickname. And so I, get, I, I told you in the booth uh, before we got on air, I said, yeah, let's keep this going. Let's see how long we can keep it going for it. It gets under everybody's skin. Uh, but I guess, that, I guess, yeah, I guess we're, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was fun for a, a whole half a show. It was fun for a week. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Oh, I appreciate it. All right. Looking thank- forward to uh, this weekend. Or should- this, uh, tomorrow, actually. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. We'll see you. Thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was classic. What? Yeah. So uh, let's call Danielle Trotta now. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's not. That's not. I'm, 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 I'm not. 
you know, we could show off all this technology that we have here at Dirty Mo Media. Holding the phone up Holding to the, the phone microphone. Holding the phone up to the mic. <laughs> That's great. All right, y'all. So, Lost Speedways has been out on Peacock for more than a month. Yes. All right. And, uh, you know, I love to get feedback. And we went on Twitter and I sent out a post about, you know, what folks have been thinking so far about Lost Speedway Season 2. So, uh, do we got some feedback from our fans? Yeah, we do. We have a, got a lot of it from your tweet. Earl Friesinger said uh, he's watched the entire season two, but the one at Texas World Speedway is clearly his favorite to learn about its history, its downfall. So many people chiming in about that episode in particular, I think, because it's the only lost super speedway in America. One of my favorites is Larry Swift that said, every episode. That's it. That's the perfect answer, I think. Uh, I also see Elaine Gaylor Swidell said her favorite episode was Daytona Beach. I loved it so much, I traveled there for summer vacation after seeing the show just to go to Racing's North Turn. Wow. So, uh, and Daytona, man. Daytona's coming up this week, and I'm sure anybody who's watched Lost Speedways, they should go check out the path. There's an original piece of pavement there, a strip of the original A1A that you and I saw. You know what would be cool is if you're in Daytona this weekend for the race uh, and you've seen the show, Lost Speedways, especially the... uh, uh, the season two episode with Daytona. If you take a picture of yourself on that little strip of asphalt, uh, make sure you tag Dirty Mo Media. I love that. Yeah, yeah, great we'll, idea. We'll try to re- retweet. Uh, we'll get Lee on top of that one. She's on. I'm on send, it. Send out some retweets. But we'd love to see y'all's uh, y'all's photo at that little strip. It's very small. It's kind of difficult to find. So it might be a fun little uh, fun little part of your trip. Yeah. Trying to search up and discover. Yeah, that'd be fun. So, you'll feel, you'll get the sense of what it's like to do the show, you know, trying to hunt this little piece down. <laughs> and uh, then once you get there and you're, you think about all the history and the cars speeding down that little strip of, of asphalt that's still laying there. And then the turns. My gosh, when we were down in those turns and realized we're trying to make that turn, I mean, not a, a lot of them didn't make the turn, yeah. and you can see why. But, yeah, you know, it's funny. If somebody had scheduled a vacation around that episode based off the Daytona, I wonder if anybody scheduled a vacation around Pennsboro, West Virginia. Anybody you think? Oh, of course, Matthew's the only one. Matthew went to West Virginia. I'm, I'm going to West Virginia in a for few vacation. weeks for a Heritage Festival. Nice. Pennsboro is my favorite episode. Yeah. I love that place. <laughs> that, was that, great, that was a great explorer. All right. Well, Make sure, uh, you know, you guys continue to send in that feedback and share with your friends about Lost Speedway Season 2. It's available on Peacock. Easily go to Peacock TV and sign up and watch Season 1 and Season 2 of Lost Speedways out now. Picture this. It's blazing hot outside and you need to head to work. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get the cold air pumping as soon as possible, but it doesn't work. Instead, blowing hot air out of your vents and directly into your face. No, your car doesn't hate you. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the air conditioning system, and there's an easy all-in-one solution that will restore your cold air in no time. There's no need to go to the shop and pay lots of money when you can save time and money recharging yourself with AC Pro Recharge Kits. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience. And the AC Pro app offers clear, vehicle-specific instructions to help you get the job done in less than 10 minutes. So pick up an AC Pro Recharge Kit at any store selling auto products and confidently restore your car's cold air yourself today. Be a pro with AC Pro. 
So, Mike, you had something going on. Uh, we, we've talked about some, uh, you know, some, some things that happen in our household, some stupid things we do. You did put something really dumb this week. <laughs> well, you, you cause strife amongst the networks. I cause strife in my, my marriage. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, so we really want to talk about this. Yeah. You, I do something dumb, and you're like, I can't wait to talk about this. All right, it's, it might After I admitted having, uh, you know, helped my wife out of a situation that's uh, quite embarrassing, yeah, I think it's time for you to, to – Fair point. Yeah, jump into the pool. Okay, you guys can decide if this is really dumb. Leah, you decide. All right. Oh, she's done decided. Okay. The context you need to know first is that we're all exhausted, right? I mean, listen, our days are spent going to work. Coming home and being parents. I hear excuses. Parents, all this stuff. No, no, no. It's just proper excuses. context because no, it's my, my wife also is getting her I'm MBA done. Y'all want me to tell the story or not? So it's the same for Stop everybody. Stop talking. So, not, so, so here we go. Everyone's exhausted. We're trying to get our kids to soccer practice, cross-country meets, all this stuff. All right? I'm sitting there finally with a moment of pause watching the race. I'm home just with my one daughter, Gracie, or my oldest daughter, Gracie. The dog... Apparently pees on the rug, or has has peed on the rug. Our dog has done what Dale Jr. does to his wife. Oh my but our gosh! Da- but but the dog did it to the rug. Mike, <laughs> there's no context. You can't just say that without context. <laughs> That's true. I Was there a jellyfish involved in the rug? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you gotta get context there. You can't just have me peeing on my wife at all times of the day. Yeah, that's right. Well, they, you need to listen. Go back and listen to last week's episode or two weeks, whenever that was. Ugh. Yeah, okay. So our dog is peeing. Now, listen, I tend to it. I tended to it. I said, hey, Gracie, get a towel. Get this thing dried up. And I felt like that was good enough. My wife gets home. She sees the towel. She has questions. This is during the race now. You know, and I think everybody can agree. Matthew, you would agree with me on this. And during a race, you know, it's just sometimes your attention and your priorities are changed a little bit. To be fair, yeah. She starts asking. I said, yeah, I think the dog uh, did this. I think, you know, we must have not let it out as like we thought we did and running around. And she said, okay, well, uh, and, and she goes, what else did you do? And I said, well, you're looking at it. And she goes, this is it? I said, well, I mean, you know, we danced on the towel a little bit, patted it down. And she goes, well, what about underneath the rug? And I said, Ooh, she's right. I'm sorry. I, I, uh, this is what I've done. And she starts, why would you not think about underneath the rug? Why? And I'm like, listen, well, no, I'm thinking in my head, I don't want to take any more questions. Do you know how? <laughs> I don't think you have that choice. I don't think you have a choice in that. I don't want to take any more questions. That'll be all. Yeah. <laughs> don't in think my you head, the press option. conference had ended. And then in my head, the press oh conference was over. God. So... Um, I did what I thought would be a natural thing for anybody to do. You know, when, when, uh, when you're trying to make a point, but you don't want to do it with words, you hold up your phone and start taping. Like you start, you hit the video and you oh, start recording, no. you hold it up. Like it, it, it's like, Hey, I don't really want to talk, but I'm just going to video you. And because there's, it's kind of like a conversation Not ender. A... So I start videoing her and her <laughs> question. Conversation ender and an argument starter. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. It started and more than an argument. <laughs> She, she got mad at me about that. She got mad at me about that. I, and, and can we it did, watch it? And well, can we watch it? No. Did you delete it? No, I deleted it. Oh, okay. shit. No, I He's did. He's lying. Is it in your deleted folder? It's on there. No, it's gone. You it's don't still in your deleted folder. Actually, that would cause another argument. 
<laughs> this yeah, this conversation alone on the podcast will cause an argument, and we weren't exactly over this one that, that happened Sunday. Still, still cold. It's still a little icy. Still icy. What? Yeah. So listen, I, I, I admit. I admit that that was not good. Like, I don't think wives want to be videoed. No, nah, they don't. No. Why sure. would you do that? I'm pretty sure they don't. It seemed like a good idea in my head. And <laughs> I admit that it wasn't afterwards. She said it. She's, you know, she sent me and she said, listen, we were having a conversation. In my head, I was like one-sided. But then we were having a conversation and it was like, you're going to start videoing me and um, that's pretty demeaning. And I think she's right about that. It was demeaning, and I've, I wish I had not done that, but I did. So I need y'all to help me get uh, – could y'all call my wife now? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't think I so. I don't want to do that. No. I don't think she'll be as, as uh, fun-loving as Rick Allen would be in this situation. Mm. So was it – I mean, like, it, it was dumb. That not was, the dumbest thing anybody's ever done, but it was that dumb. That was dumb. Yeah. Pretty bad. What yeah. can he do to fix it? Mm. What are the things, Liam? Uh, take the dog out when it needs to go. Out. No, 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 no. no, no I know. Buy a bunch of resolve. I uh, what? Well, thaw the ice. A time. Time. That's my yeah. That's time. My, yeah. Time and there's respect. nothing like. There's nothing. Nope. There's no. I, it, no, no, no. I'm like super stubborn. I don't know about Sarah, but like. Uh, you know what I think? Just give we'll me. Do it. Time. You know what I think we'll do it. What? Is if he either took hey. her out to dinner to Epic Steakhouse, oh. downtown Mooresville. For a night, just them two. All or day night? he brought Epic onto the boat Ooh. for just a you know dinner on the boat. Very Love romantic. That. There you go, Mike. But purposeful and say, and hey, during, listen, I'm During sorry. that uh, dinner, yeah, you tell her. You say, hey, that was the dumbest thing. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. You're not really looking for this, are you? Are you really wanting to know how to fix it? I know how to fix it. How do you fix it? Give her some of that good love making. Oh my oh. god! TMI. Oh, oh, that don't fix it. It fixes it. Oh, oh. god! <laughs> Can't go wrong there. They're they're like Jimmy Spencer. They never forget. Oh. Why'd you bring Jimmy Spencer into my good love making story? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do that? I just texted my wife about this oh, conversation Lord. because I was nervous that Dale would call me out and I wouldn't have participated in the homework assignment. Oh jeez. So so I'm telling you. Just from her response, they never forget. They don't. Are you wanting to tell a story? No. You're Are good. you wanting us to ask you to tell no. a story? No. 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 So, no. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, take her to dinner. Tell her. Yeah. Messed up. Made a mistake. Here's what I want to do. I want to say, listen to the Dale Jr. download, my nope. love. Nope. And I want you to hear my, you will find my feelings. Nope. In the I open segment of the Dale Jr. Don't. download. I don't, I don't think, think that's a good idea. My feelings are, my feelings are. I'm sorry. Yeah. And um, see you tonight, baby. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> All right. Jesus. I think we're, I think done, we're done now. <laughs> yeah. You know, let's talk about this some more. The market and post. <laughs> uh, hey, I gave you a good transition out. You were, you clapper. said we were behind on time. <laughs> yes. yeah. You, you ended it perfectly you for you me. You can't wait to get to the next segment now. Yes. Let's All just right. bring in Buckshot. <laughs> Where's Buckshot Jones? Oh, look at him. He's alive! What is this? What do you got here? This is going to be... He's talking is, about a bowling ball. This is heavy. 
Oh, it's a bowling oh. ball. Yeah. Here you go. Open that up. Really? This is a thing you did. You, bowling balls was a thing. Y'all used to give these to media, right? Right. Back when we had uh, Brunswick as an associate sponsor. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, Brunswick did all of that. That's awesome, man. And it's got buckshot on the back of it. So we, this is a new studio. Oh, look at that. Do we? Is this yours? You, you giving us this, or are you taking yeah. it back home? No, that's y'all's. No, yeah, Thank Matt. You. He said something about bringing bowling balls. That'd be cool to have one. <laughs> so oh, I had one downstairs. Matt, Matt guilted you into bringing this to us. Yes. <laughs> Good job, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Like we, the you know, we like that random, strange, weird. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that fits right in here. Yeah, we'll go, well, no, nah, we ain't putting it up high. That thing will right. roll right <laughs> off on somebody's head. Yeah. <laughs> I'm about to put it somewhere, but it's pretty cool. So, Buckshot Jones, man, I ain't seen you in forever. I know. What have you been doing? I went, got out of racing, got into land developing for the longest time, and, and you know, the economy went bad. We kind of finished up some stuff afterwards, and now it's more just investments and Kind of helping dad out some. He still does uh, some cable, so just whatever's needed. What do you do for fun? Actually go to our farm and work. What is on the farm? Uh, we got about 800 acres. Where uh, at? Monticello, Georgia. Mm-hmm. It's down there near Hooper Trailers, which everybody in Georgia, they know where Hooper Trailer is at. But we've had it since like 1980, and my dad and uncle own it. And me and my uncle and cousins used to go to Texas and hunt. And, you know, by the time all that money you're spending, we we're like, hey, why don't we high fence it in? So we did, and just going doing food plots, stuff like that. Yeah, that's a good time. I got some land in Ohio about six or seven years ago, me and LW, my brother-in-law, and Truex, and we all partnered on it. And I ain't never owned hunting land before. Mm -hmm. And uh, so just being involved, I I don't really do as much physically, but uh, being involved in managing and moving the plots around and understand what the herd's up to and what's going on with that and working with your neighbors and working with local farmers, uh, all that stuff has really been a really fun experience. Yeah. So uh, what's better than just packing a bag and going some random place in the country to hunt on somebody else's property? Yeah, it is. I mean, like I said, we've had it since 1980 and I've always loved that farm, you know, whether it was hunting, you know, riding motorcycles. Uh, in the beginning, my sister and I used to show uh, Appaloosa horses, so we traveled all around. And my mom actually lives out there, my aunt and uncle, grandmother. So it's just a place, it's always fun because, like, New Year's Eve, you know, other, like, holidays, like, all our family comes down, so everybody gets together. So it's just always a good time. So I always thought your name was Buckshot. But it's not. <laughs> no. I thought it was. I mean, hell, I didn't. Nobody t- Nobody came up and told me, you know, his name ain't Buckshot. <laughs> I mean, he's racing a car, says Buckshot Jones on it. I'm like, damn, his daddy named him Buckshot. But it, your name's Roy. Yes. When did you get the Buckshot nickname? Mm, I guess probably about two years old. Uh, me and my cousins were running around the house, and somehow I fell and hit my head against the table. And my grandfather picked me up. Um, and like a knot was already forming on my head. I wasn't crying. And uh, he just put me down, took off running. He goes, that boy's tough as buckshot. And <laughs> the name stuck. Uh, the only time I'd really get called Roy is when I was in trouble by my mom. <laughs> so, yeah. But in high school, always, never was called Roy. Nobody you're, called you. Oh, your friends called Except for Andy. Who's Randy? LaJoy. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Well, Randy called call me Roy. We'll talk about that. So <laughs> we'll get there. You went to school <laughs> and you wrote buckshot on the paper. Yes. You signed everything, Buckshot. Mm-hmm. Teachers, teachers called, me called that. you Buckshot. Mm-hmm. What? I mean, that's unique. That's no, I've never known anyone else named Buckshot. I mean, it's a pretty cool name. 
did your uh, did your friends like mess with you, or did they think it was cool, or was it just nothing? Just most normal. Time, it was just it was nothing. normal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. most of them they don't even know my real did name. Did you ever have anybody say, "I know"? So, did you ever have when you introduce yourself, you know, as a, as a teenager or whatever, and say, "I'm Buckshot"? Did people or did anyone ever go, what? "Yeah, Buckshot"? They're like, "Your name's Buckshot." I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> Is it? Did you ever get legally changed? No. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. Interesting. I won't because it's my dad's uh, father. His first name was Roy. Roy. Well, he yeah, was like but the you best just man. added in there. Like, yeah. You, what's your middle name? Norris. Norris. Where does that come from? Uh, my grandmother's side of the family. Okay. Norris is a pretty cool name too. Just you know, but it ain't it ain't buckshot cool. But yeah. I mean, you got Shut Roy Jones going on, on one many, side. You, you got Norris, many, and is a middle name. I you mean, don't know many Norrises. No, well, mm. I know one. Chuck Norris. Well, yeah. Ain't going to beat that one. I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty true. You got so, a badass name all the way across the board, actually. <laughs> you didn't start racing until when? Uh, 20, what was it? 1990. And how old were you? 20. All right. So, you didn't drive. Nothing. Nah. I mean, all right. rode motorcycles yeah. at our farm. All right. So, what were you, what were you doing? Were you in the sports? Uh, some. Um, I was actually in college at the time in a... A buddy of mine named Bob Maddox, uh, we went to high school together, and we actually live in the same subdivision now. But What did you go to uh, college for? A uh, business degree. Okay. What was you going to do? Um, I don't know. was possibly going to get into the cable because um, that's what my dad, you know, had always been in. So your dad, now let's talk about him. I'm going to interrupt the out of you. So your dad is a self-made man. Mm-hmm. Explain what, what he does now, what he made his living doing. And how he got there? Um, cable TV. Um, that's what he was in. I mean, he started out basically sweeping floors and then ditch digging, climbing the lines, and just kind of progressed up. And I forget what year it was that he ended up starting his own deal. So basically, he, he'll do work for, you know, like AT&T. You know, it could mm-hmm. be, you know, Charter. You know, he just, hey, going and putting the cable in. And he did have one where he actually – did the cable all himself. Like, people subscribed to him also. And then a company bought him out, I think it was around 1990, and he stayed on kind of more as a consultant. And then he got more involved with the business. So he's always been into cable. Mm-hmm. He's still messing around with it, you know, you know, some right now. Uh, I know they're running some line from, like, Augusta all the way to Savannah. So it's pretty cool because he's down there in the swamp, and he needed a – Players Ranger. He goes, I need you to put a lift on it, all this, and did it. He goes, this isn't going to work. He goes, that thing won't even go through none of this stuff. So there's a machine called a Sherp, and they're come out of the Ukraine, and the tires on them, man, are humongous, but you can drive them straight off into a lake. They keep rocking and rolling. <laughs> and, you know, he has to have it because when they're doing locates, they can't get through there. Yeah. So even though that machine costs a pretty penny, I mean, he has to have it. Mm-hmm. And it's like I told him, like, you know, when you're done with all this job, you don't need the machine anymore. You wouldn't even take that out to our farm. No. <laughs> but it seems like some of the different sheriff's office is, have bought some. Um, I guess out in Utah they do, wherever there's, like, a lot of mountains, rock. But it's a pretty cool machine. Yeah. Your dad is in is a self-made businessman and running cable TV. You're going to school for a business degree. Dabble a little bit in sports, but mainly just messing around motorcycles and hunting and carrying on and being a country boy. Right. So when did you go, damn, 
racing. That looks cool. Uh, we went to Sonoa a couple times. What's Sonoa? Uh, racetrack in Georgia. I think they turn it back into dirt now, but it was like the closest one out there at our farm. Are we talking um, North Georgia, South Georgia? To give, give me an idea, because I don't know where Hooper Trailers is. <laughs> um, it's Monticello, so how would you say that? From Atlanta Motor Speedway, it's probably about 45 minutes away. South? Uh, I guess it'd be more a little bit, what would that be, northeast? Northeast, all right, From okay, from Atlanta Motor Speedway. All right, so you're not far from Atlanta. No. Okay, mm -hmm. all right, all right, you gave me content. All right, keep going then. So, you, Sonoa. So, I mean, we went a couple races, but, you know, I was young back then, so I didn't really remember it, but a buddy of mine started racing, like, local motocross, and, you know, I told Dad, I said, I'm fixing to start doing that. How and old are you then? I was 19, I think. You're at, you're at the University of Georgia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he just said, no, nah, if you're going to get in something, you ought to get in something that will protect you like a stock car. So I was like, yeah, cool. <laughs> so, you know, we started looking around, you know, trying to find a car and uh, ended up, got kind of in contact with a guy named Billy McGinnis. Mm -hmm. And he helped us find our first car. And it was the Center Brothers who had, a, you know, a late model car. They raced at Lanier Raceway. And we go to their place, and it's just an old wooden barn open the door and it's an old malibu and it's got got an inch thick of dust all over it and made a deal with them hey get it running bring it to the track pay you wreck it and man i probably made eight laps and it spun it out almost every lap and <laughs> come in and it's like this is what i want to do so he said well you maintain a b average in college you know i'll handle this so we ran our first race how hard was it to make that b um, was you doing good? Just a matter of going to class. Yeah. yeah what that, kind yeah. of college student were you? Did you live at home? No, nah, I lived up there. Okay. What, yeah. how, did you raise hell? Did you? Not too much. Stay, a little bit. Oh, please. Yeah. I know University of Georgia. <laughs> Don't even say that. Yeah. I know better than that. There's well, all kinds of opportunities to raise hell at Georgia. Yeah, I guess I was there for about a year and then got into the race. So, yeah. so you like left? That. No, I had to stay. No, but like, did you graduate? Yes. You did? Oh, yeah. Well, you had to maintain a B average. Man, I, don't don't know. Graduate. He, I don't know his story. <laughs> no, I know, but I'm saying I'm just assuming that if you can maintain a B average. Well, he just said he was there for a year. So I thought, man, did you leave? No, i have been there right at a year, and that's when you I got into the racing. Gotcha. Right, I'm on. So, I'm on yeah, I went to the games now. and all that. and Yeah. You went to the games? All partying. Yeah. Ripping? Oh, yeah. Ripping I hear you. All right. So. <laughs> Ripping and tearing. <laughs> <laughs> he... I just try and imagine Buckshot. I mean, it's it's quite fascinating. Student. We have I don't think we've ever had somebody that started racing in college. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a late start. And then meanwhile, University of Georgia. Um, well, he ain't. There's thinking, all kinds of distractions. He ain't thinking. I'm going. I'm going to Cup. He's just like I'm gonna go have some fun. This you is think awesome. It, I'm yeah. going to Lanier, racing the car out of a barn. Yeah. Right. This is a good time. Lanier's yeah. a great. It was a great little speedway. Yeah, it too. was. Yes, it was. <laughs> It was very good. So you spin out every lap. You run eight laps. Yep. Is that is that really how your first race went? Like, what else happened? Uh, first race, uh, the motor was just needed rebuilding. It was backfiring so bad they black flagged <laughs> me. So had a guy named uh, Pat Chauncey um, rebuilt the motor for us. Went to the next race. We won that race, and then it, they call it the Bud Bowl. It was like two weeks later. And we were leading that race, but we didn't have radios. And I'm like, racing's all brand new to me. And there was a wreck, got into it. So fixed that car. And then they had the, the race at Peach State, which is, I guess, Gresham now. 
and was running third. You know, you had those the bumpers back then on those cars, and I passed the uh, second place guy, and his front bumper, mine, like hooked together, went straight into the guardrail, sailed out of that place, like end over end, and I mean, just totaled the car. And me and Dad, I always remember right after that, we went to like a Chick Fil A. He's like, well, "What do you think?" I'm like, "This is what I wanted to do." He said, "I didn't bother you." I'm like, "Heck no." He goes, "Well, look, here's the deal. Then, in five years, you need to get up and you need to be in NASCAR." He goes, "So whenever you get competitive in a class, we're moving. It doesn't matter if it's the middle of the season or when. It is. You're not going to stay and win races. This is the plan. And to get there, we just need to keep moving." So that's that kind of exactly we how it went. Yeah. Like that's so that's where that came from, that motivation to to progress so quickly, but also like as soon as you would win a race and do anything remotely successful, you went you went to the Move next up. thing. Yeah. And I mean, I guess that didn't seem unusual. You, no. know, you guys you, you didn't y'all y'all didn't really know much about racing to begin no. with. So you ran in late model cars. Mm-hmm. Early 90s, mid-90s, pretty successful in all that. All pro, super late models, left-hander chassis, all those, right? Never ran left-hander chassis. No? Uh, I think it was Port City yeah. in late models. And the gentleman that works for you, Tony Barclay, yeah. him and Mike Garvey uh, yeah. built the cars. And those are the ones basically ran. So you, uh, I mean, you did well. You had success, it was fast. Uh, Tony says you had speed all the time. He was really fast. Every, everything he set you in. Well, Tony was very good at setting those cars up and making them fast. Yeah. This is actually what Tony says. You were fast, but you and you just said it. You didn't know race cars. Like, so he would say, he remembers a test. I can't remember where, one of your first times being in it. And he's like, all right, so what's the car doing? And he said, you said, what do you mean? So when you say y'all didn't know cars, like, you just know that you like to get in there. But you somehow are able to have natural speed. But you don't – it's almost like the, the Tom Cruise character in Days of Thunder. It's like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, I really don't know. Lose tight, all this stuff. Did you really have to – was that you? You had to learn it all? Yeah. I mean, I know in late models, right before – I guess we maybe started in late models. Um, Eddie Mercer had a tire guy, uh, Lynn Boyette, that was, like, awesome in – Dad ended up getting them to come up, teach me about tires. Because Stagger, you know, on late model tires was everything. But, you know, he taught me, hey, you know, this is how you measure the tires before you even mount them. And so I started understanding stuff along the way. But, I mean, I didn't have a clue, you know, of being able to tell you this is what the car is doing or this is what I need. It was just each day you were learning something. Mm-hmm. You're a quick learner, I guess. To a degree, I guess. Were you surprised at your success then? Yeah, I mean, I was, but the thing is, I always had, like, you know, good people. And like I said, you know, when Tony, like, come along, I don't think you could have found anybody any better in late model racing, you know. And he's very good with working with you. You know, he was also my spotter, so he helped me a ton when I'm out there on the track. You know, hey, you start lifting a little bit early, or you're driving in too deep, or you're doing this. So he was kind of not – he was teaching me while we were racing also, Right. And I'm assuming the number double zero. Are you double zero from the start? No, I believe we were trying to be zero one in the beginning. And because my dad raced a little bit of dirt back in the day and his number was, you know, one, but somebody else had it. Ended up, they said, well, you know, you can be like zero, zero. So just kind of took it for that race. And then we went to another race, I think Nashville. 
some other guy had it and talked to him like, hey, you know, trading the numbers out, and it just kind of went from there. Yeah. But it was never like that was zero zero was going to be my number. It would have been zero one or one. Really? So when you, you say, but you just ran it for so long, you decided to keep it when you got into the bush areas and all that. Yeah. And it had nothing to do with buckshot. At the time, no. Because um, it didn't. I think the that car that I had when we first bought it was twelve. Then I wanted to be one. Couldn't that Malibu. And then we just said, well, hey, we'll be zero zero because all the other numbers, you know, you wanted somebody else had. Sure. I can understand that. You was running um, big late model races and there'd be, you know, lots of cars there and you'd get there and there'd be multiple double, you know, doubles of 20, 21 and, and three. And you had to put like an A yeah. or something. Yeah, you had to do- doctor it up. Right. Put some duct tape on there. Well, you never had to worry about that with a double O because there weren't many of them out there. When you were racing in the Xfinity Series, you got a reputation for being a bit of a wild man. Randy LaJoy called you a dart without feathers. Now, I know you probably disagree with that. When you're racing late models, what kind of driver were you? I would say kind of the same. He had run-ins with some of those regulars? Like, I don't know who's racing in the All-Pro Series back then, but... It was good. No, was I mean, amazing. the only person, I guess, uh, was when I was running Lanier, um, All-American. I'm trying to think which... It was one of, one of the Barrett brothers. Okay. For whatever reason, uh, we... I don't even know how it started. I mean, we, we did not get along at all at any race. <laughs> and it just, I don't even remember why. So um, the thing that I always remember about you is, like, I never had a problem with you. But if you did get something going with somebody, it would never end. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, and it would, you know, the next time y'all got around each other, something's going to happen. Yeah. And I felt like, like, so you take some responsibility for that, like not being able to, like, Oh what, yeah. So like you're saying with this Barrett fella, y'all just couldn't get along. Couldn't un, couldn't put can't put your finger on it, but it just never was good. Right. And you you were never one to sit down and say, "Hey, why don't we straighten this out?" Uh with him, no. Right. With <laughs> not with anyone else? Yeah. Did you ever sit down yeah. and like sort it out with somebody else? Have yeah, a conversation. Yeah, you know, there was a time, you know, like Jason Keller got into him, you know, as flat out my fault, and I knew he was pretty pissed and you know talked to him and he was still pissed and then i think everything kind of calmed down um mike mclaughlin i think it was at bristol yeah it's my fault got into him hit him called him and i just said hey man you know i don't know what to tell you i said i'll pay for the car i Mm. said you know i I don't know what else to say it's my fault and you had a good car took you out and i said hell i'll talk to your owner you know whatever you know, to clear it up sure. and ended up talking to, I don't think I talked to the owner, but talked to his crew guys and they apologized to them and said, Hey, it's just my fault. You know, it won't happen again. So you was willing to go do that. It just depended yeah. on if the guy was receptive enough or you just respected him enough. Right. You had tried to race in the Xfinity series a couple times in the early nineties or mid nineties. Yeah. I think it was Martinsville 94, maybe 95. Hey, where'd you get this car from? You know, I up? forget where our first car came from. So I don't remember where that one comes from. Larry, Ricky Pearson. Yeah. All right. They are working with Dennis Setzer. Dennis Setzer in the 59 Alliance car. Right. right. Robert Presley drove that car. Successful team. They got a hell of a relationship. Ricky does. Uh, their cars were fast. That team dissolved, went mm-hmm. away. Did your dad come to you and go, we need to get these guys? We need to team up with these guys? How did that relationship start? You know, I forget exactly who it was. We had somebody back then. Working with you? Yeah, like doing PR stuff. And, you know, being in Georgia, 
there's nobody really wanted to come to Georgia because you know late to models work, to work on Xfinity, your stuff. Yeah, those were totally different. I mean, I had the hardest time getting used to radial tires over the bus supply. And, you know, we had one or two people come and, like, do one one race deals, but, you know, that wasn't enough. And ended up, I guess, found out that Ricky, that team was going to dissolve. So Dad went and met with them, talked. Where were they based? Because you went to, to their shop. where they were. I think they were up Asheville or something. In North Carolina? It was in North Carolina. I was so, thinking High Point, but you might be right with Asheville. So that's distance. That's not close. That's not that's not home. You've been racing out, out of the, you know, you've been racing at home. Yeah. So now you're going to go race out of their shop. This is David Pearson's shop. Well, we were actually going to try and get Ricky to come, like, Georgia. He tried. And it was more like, you know, as him and Dad talked, it was like, no, hey, look, you know, we can use David's shop. Ricky walks out of his house, and there's the shop right there. Mm-hmm. So we were in Myrtle Beach, and actually, I think. For a late model race? Yeah. I don't know if we were driving back at that time, but Dad called, and he goes, well, you said, you know, racing is what you want to do, and you you said you'd pick up and move. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, pack your bags. He goes, you're going to Spartanburg. So got home, packed it up, and we lived in hotels for probably – Three months because we were just finishing that year out with yeah. Ricky, and then ended up, you know, everything was good, and ended up just hiring him and became the crew chief, and we all started getting apartments and whatever else. So, you teamed up with Ricky in the middle of the year, or started a new year? You know, I was trying to remember, and I think it was, I don't know, like maybe mid year. Mid year, you started driving. I think that was ninety five. Yeah. So you jumped in his car or started driving. Did they have cars? Where did the cars come from? We bought, I think, two of their cars. Did y'all buy part of the Alliance deal? Like those, those, the we bought of cars? some of the cars. Yeah. I think we only bought two of them. And then we bought a car, uh, Kenny Wallace. I forget who he was driving for at the time, mm-hmm. but bought one of their cars. Yeah. So we had, I guess, like four cars, uh, which you could really count it as three because the first one we bought, I mean, it was. We ended up, I guess, later on turning it into a show car. Yeah. So you you said you moved to Spartanburg, mm-hmm. South Carolina. Yes. Why'd you move there? That's where Ricky was. That's where Ricky was. Yep. That's where and, the shop was. Yeah, and Ricky was not coming to Georgia. Um, and so when you went up, did you know who David Pearson was? A little bit. Man. I mean, that's pretty badass. To Was he around? Did he come walking around? <laughs> right? I, he was there all he the time. He was there all the time. Is there is, is there a memory about this? Because if you go into an instant laugh, what was the what was, <laughs> what was David Pearson being at the shop like? Oh man, it was awesome. We, me and him always aggravated each other. Um, you know, there were times he'd be out there cutting the grass, and he had a wall, so I'd go get a carton of eggs, you know, hide down behind the wall and start chunking them out. Holy him. smokes! And I can't say what he did to me when I come back from lunch, but Good. a lot of us used to go eat lunch together, uh, and the guys. Well, we used to play games like throwing a quarter. There'd be a crack, you know, in the concrete. And whoever lost had to pay. Doing it again, my quarter landed perfect on that crack. And I looked at him and I said, beat that, you blankety-blank. And I said, I'll lick the crack of your ass. He took that quarter, flipped it, and it stood up in that crack. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, you got to be kidding. And I turned to look at him, and he'd already had his pants down. Like, Get to look at it. That's hilarious. But, he scared the heck out of me plenty of times, <laughs> like Darlington. I'd never been there. 
So he takes me out when we go to the test in, in, a, in, in the what? van. In a van? And, I mean, I don't know how the mirror wasn't taking, you know, the fence down. I mean, and you're, I'm freaking out. And he runs like two laps. He's, all right, you got that? I'm like, hell no. I was like, you're scaring the hell out of me the whole time. He's, well, I told you what to do. So David helped me a ton. Um, when I'd go out and run, I'd come in, and he goes, this is what you need to change. And kept doing it all day long. And then road course racing. You know, he was teaching me, uh, I guess he had a S10 truck. And we'd go way up the road and come down, and there'd be a stop sign. But, you know, you never stop. You just go through it. Well, he's flying down through there, and all of a sudden he goes to the downshift. And I'm thinking he's turning into the race shop. And I'm, like, holding on, and he didn't. You know, he went on up. I was like, man, I said, you're scaring the hell out of me. <laughs> but he was. He was a great help. He was always fun, always cracking up, and me and him always playing jokes on each other. That is pretty incredible to be able to, you know, especially as young as, young as your racing career was and as late as you got to start, to be able to spend so much time with possibly, in a lot of people's minds, one of the best drivers to ever do it. I mean, he's in that conversation with Richard, my dad, and Jimmy Johnson, and a lot of people feel like David doesn't get his credit because he only ran partial schedules, you know. But right. if he would have won full – if he'd have ran full seasons in those years, he would have likely won the yeah. championship. So you're getting to spend time with that guy every day. And you moved. You moved to Spartanburg. You're living in Spartanburg. Well, how mm. was that for you? Was you Were you all right with that? Yes. You were good yeah. being away from home? Yeah. I mean, Georgia, you know, always said I'd never leave Georgia. But with racing, that's what I love. That's what I wanted to do. So whatever it took, you know, that's what you know was going to do. Was your dad kind of in his mind out of the racing business at this point? I mean, because like he had been kind of paying for that, and, and, and y'all were buying cars and whatnot. But is this like I'd read an article where he was like, "Hey, as soon as you can get scooped up with a team, mm -hmm. I'm going back to the cables." Right. Well, I mean, he was in the cable still, but he ran or his people like ran the business, like the buckshot racing. So. I mean, he, he was always involved with it, Got it. but I wouldn't say he's doing it like day to day. Got um, it. But that's where it all had to come to me, that purchase orders, like if we ordered stuff, it was purchase orders. So I knew every dime that was going out because he didn't want me, hey, just racing. He wanted you to learn business side of stuff. That's what did that whole time. Is it pretty incredible when you think about it? It was a pretty incredible brand marketing strategy you guys had. I don't think people give that enough credit, to be honest with you. I know that people like, you know, LaJoy can sit there and talk and take shots at you for it. But the buckshot, the double zero, the merchandise, the whole thing, I mean, it had to take somebody quite smart to make that all work. And you guys always did it. I mean, y'all did it well. So you're saying that even though that uh, they're not, like, directly involved in the setting up cars and this, that, and the other, they're very much involved in your, your brand business. Yes. And your management, so to speak. Yeah. I, in terms of that, the brand or all, I was never involved with it. Right. It was more like, hey, the business side, racing. And that was it. And this shop, by the way, is this the shop that Finch ended up buying? Well, originally we were at David's shop. And then I guess when we decided to go to Cups, like, hey, we got to have a bigger shop. Okay. So that's when we built the shop there. What is it? Off exit 78. And yeah, and then James ended up buying it afterwards. Okay. And then now um, there was a roofing company there. I think it was Guy Roofing. They ended up buying it. And I mean, they've got like 
five buildings right down through there. Yeah. So they're a huge company. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or the neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Dalton, this probably sounds real familiar to you. It does. I just bought a house last year. And, you know, you asked, uh, why can't all this information be in one place? Well, now it is. On Homes.com, they've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. You're racing in the Xfinity Series with, with, uh, with Ricky you were fast out of the gate. I mean, that, you just like burst onto the scene and you're, you're a contender, you know, you're running top 10. And I remember people talking about your inexperience and it showed and, mm. uh, but you still had, you know, people say, well, you know, he's fast. He's got speed. Once he figures it out, you know, that there's, there's, there's enough raw talent there to stick with it and see it through. You had Aqua, Aqua Fresh yes. as a sponsor. Where'd that come from? I, I think that come through, dad somehow or they contacted him mm-hmm. um on how all that started yeah they were a pretty good sponsor pretty good partner yes very good what kind of what kind of appearances did you have to do for aquafresh you could brush your teeth oh yeah you know <laughs> we go sometimes you know we'd go to the plant or yeah. just wherever what was the, I wanted so i use aquafresh today what is going to the plant like where they marry all that together and put oh, it, it's how do you, wild how do you put the tooth, all that let me ask you a question how do you put the toothpaste back in the tube <laughs> I got. You I mean, know. They got machines. You know how to the do answer. That. <laughs> they got machines to do that, <laughs> but it can be done, is it what he's saying. Yeah, See, most people think it can't be yeah. done. He's saying that it can be done. <laughs> Did you enjoy that stuff? I mean, like I would. Let, let me just make an assumption here that uh, you know, an old Georgia boy who gets a late start really isn't going to be polished in the sponsorship game. Yet you had some pretty, you know, pretty yeah. good sponsorships. Yeah. So w- w- when you're going to appearance and stuff, a lot of drivers don't really embrace that kind of thing it's it's abnormal it's uncomfortable what was it like for you in all honesty i i didn't like doing appearances all the time you know i just wanted to race but the one thing you know i knew is hey it's the fans that are allowing you to do what you want to do it was that's just part of the business so it was easy going you know getting along talking to people um you know had fun at a lot of them but you know, sometimes it was just, it was too much. You wish you were racing. You wish yes. all the time, obviously. It was mm-hmm. busy, yeah. So, um, I don't think you're alone in that as far as, <laughs> like, no, not many drivers enjoy it. Not even alone at this table, I'm, I'm yeah. afraid. <laughs> not, many, not many drivers enjoy doing a lot of the personal stuff, personal service stuff. So, when I was telling, I was giving some clues to my friends, my booth buddies, Latard and Jeff Burton, on who was on the podcast. And uh, we were on the plane ride home from, from the race this weekend in Michigan, and I said he had the one he had the most interesting bus of anybody. Oh yeah! Even still today, I mean, Brad Keselowski had that one trailer with the with the eagle and the American flag <laughs> and all that on there. It was pretty wild. But uh, your bus uh, had your name on it, and it lit up at night. What? Fiber optic. Fiber optic buckshot down the side. Because you know that's what you know. Dad did dad fiber optic. Oh really? Mm-hmm. So that's where that came from. Yeah. 
So where does tour bus? Where'd you get that? Because that thing looks like it had some history. It looked like it belonged to like Merle Haggard or somebody. It had to have been had to have been a tour bus for for a musician at some point. <laughs> so they for, all got it. They all they all yeah. have a history. You know, I forget um, how Dad ended up talking to uh, the guy that drove our bus, uh, Carl, yeah. and you know he had Prevost. Okay. So Dad ended up you know getting the bus, and it wasn't made for like me to sleep in. It was made for like the guys because back then it had a bunch of bunks in it. Yep, had yeah. bunk beds in it, everything. I never stayed in it. I mean, you go never to stayed track. in it. No. Wait, I, you never stayed in that bus with your name all over it. Uh. Uh-uh. Who stayed in it? Uh, the bus driver. That's it. I stayed at the hotel, and we were. <laughs> what at the Charlotte. hell was the bus there for? It was just I don't know somewhere I mean, to hang out. Yeah, that was about it. And then holy. We were, sh- we were at Charlotte. I mean, I'm whole whole time I'm sitting there <laughs> looking at this thing all those years. I'm thinking you're in there. <laughs> no, I, I guess the first. I didn't start staying in it until you did stay ninety seven. Okay, so Maybe when I'm there, you are in it in ninety eight, yeah. ninety nine. Yes. Wait, whose idea was it to put the buckshot in? You know, naming lights on the bus was it yours? I, no, I hadn't. I never dealt with anything like branding. I know. Damn it! I, you walk up and you see that. What do you say? Right. Too much. <laughs> yeah. You thought why. you thought it was too but much. I just like, hey, you know, I don't deal with that side of stuff so i didn't really did your anything. dad go check this out look at what i did to the bus well he showed me some <laughs> pictures of it of like how it was gonna be decal yeah. and all that and you like, said no problem yeah That's you're, you're running the show yep yeah if you don't say no to that what will you say no to then i wonder i mean because like pretty much nothing nothing well, <laughs> that makes sense I need to see a picture of this. I just Googled it. And it didn't. Well, I need to see. The bowling ball has the has the buckshot logo on it. It's he had his name sort of in a in a logo form, and that when I saw that on the bowling ball, I'm like, that's it. That's what's on the bus. Wow. So, not and, and I'll be honest with you, like buckshot alone, just being named buckshot, was interesting enough, and this, and the bus and all the things that came along with him. The you know the the style of driving and and the reputation and all that it all made sense. I mean, you know, it, I wouldn't I wasn't having to go I wasn't having to deal with what Randy was dealing with. Like so, maybe I wouldn't have liked it, but we raced fine together. Well, there was that one time Daytona, yeah. But I was. Did you remember? Yeah. Do you know what we're talking about? Trickle. Yeah. You, you clip trickle. Yep. So and I remember going and talking to him because I thought he moved up on me. You did. And yeah. talked to him at the next race. What did he say? He just put his hand on my shoulder. He said, "I don't think that's the way it happened." <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Well, if you say that's not the way it happened, I trust what you say." I said, "If it was my fault, I apologize." I said, "I just felt like you moved up a little." Yeah. But if I'm the one that moved, I apologize. And I always got along with Trickle. Yeah, I did too. He, he's cool. So, I'm running my first Daytona race. Now, to be clear, I've publicly said on Twitter that that wreck was your doing. Now, and I will, I feel like it was. But I will say this to to your defense and and Dick Trickle's defense as well. So, I I was out there many, many laps down. I broke the yoke on the transmission on the pit stop because, you know, you're going to break stuff the first time you go to Daytona with those gears trying to get off pit road. But anyways... I tore up my car, come in, we changed the gear, go back out. I don't know how many laps down I was, 20, 30 laps down. And I'm out there. Y'all were running sixth or seventh. Y'all were running pretty good. I think so. Yeah, y'all were in the top ten. 
and I'm just running in y'all's way, and y'all were trying to get by me for well, laps. I thought you were still pretty fast at that I was. time, though. Yes, I, was. I mean, it wasn't like you were in the way I wasn't or anything. Even, I'm just saying, like, for being that many laps down, Trickle finally gets beside me. for took Because those cars couldn't pass really easily. You'd get, like, a, a half a car length behind a guy, and you couldn't get any closer. You yeah. couldn't. I remember before I broke, Nemechek's leading, I think, Finch's car is second, and I'm running third, and... I mean, we're all car length apart, and you nothing you can do. You're wide open, and you're getting no runs, nothing. Those cars just didn't – they didn't race really well back then with the package. But – so I'm sitting there in front of Trickle, just going. Finally, he got up beside me, and we're going down the back straightaway, and he's trying to side draft me, and Buckshot closed in behind me. And I think Buckshot and him got together, and it turned him into me, and we went yeah. wrecking. But if I'd have known better, I probably wouldn't have been up in there. I, I will say this. 2010 me would have got out of the way. Rookie me was like, I'm running in front of Dick Trickle. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Trickle, I got a funny one on him. Uh, I think it was the race we won Milwaukee. He was running first. I was running second. And caution was out. They give you one to go. We hit the back stretch. And I see Trickle throw something out the window. We take off. We run maybe a lap or two. Caution comes out. And I was like, man, right before that last restart, I swear Dick threw a cigarette out the window. And Regan's like, yeah, he lights one up. Yeah. Run caution. You know, I never knew that. You didn't know that? <laughs> no. Yeah. He was a character, man. He yeah. was fun to race with. Yeah. You know? So we're going to talk about all the all the things with Randy and all that, but who did you enjoy racing? Who was your buddy? Who who did you, you know, I, I me and Trix are pals. Me and Elliot Sadler always got along. I could go down the list. Who did you enjoy racing with? Who did you hang out with? I'd say I always got along with Elliot. Um, he was always making cracking you up yeah. about stuff. But I don't know. I mean, I'd say that my only biggest issue would be the joy. I wouldn't say there's like this person that, you know, yeah. like racing with. I mean, just a few people, you know, you had run-ins with. Yeah. So what was it about LaJoy? Was he just one of those guys, just like that guy at Lanier, that you just you know, got off on the wrong foot and you never could – it never ended. <laughs> Made a long story short, I would say back then a bunch of the teams had someone that, you know, always booked your hotel rooms. Yeah. We go to Talladega, something got messed up, so it was us, uh, Elton Sawyer's team, LaJoy, someone else. So we always joked around with Elton's guys and something happened with like fireworks. Well, I had a bottle rocket and I leaned over the rail and I threw it in, you know, Elton's room. Uh-huh. Bob's in there too. That bottle rocket goes in, sets Bob's you know, jacket on fire. Oh! So the next Bob who? That, Sutton. He owns the car. Yeah, him and uh, he owns Aiken. Elliot's car. Yes. Or yeah, Elton Sawyer's car. Right. So that night I had a Pontiac, you know, like car, and they, they kept setting the alarm off. Well, get up the next morning, and my car's on jack stands. Yeah. So I'm like, man. Well, I go out there and look, there's a big dent inside of my car. So I was talking to his guys, like, man, who put the dent in the car? They're like, well, Joy. You know, he was beating up against it. He was the one setting the alarm off a lot. So I was like, that's all right. You know, he can pay for it. So we go. Is that the first? Yeah. That's the first This is what started it? Well, that kind of, I wasn't really mad. I just like, hey, you know, he's going to pay for it. Yeah. Well, we go to the driver's meeting. He gets up and talks and says, you know, hey, everybody needs to give and take. Where are you at? Talladega. Okay. He goes, everybody needs to give and take at the beginning of the race. So it's like, good. Well, eight laps in, 
you know, he hits us like through the trioval, and then Nemanchek hits us. Well, me and Nemanchek parked in there, and Nemanchek come over and said a couple words, and it pissed me off even more. Nemanchek said what? That he knew something was fixing to happen. Um, oh. I guess what, what was going on. He what? said, he's like, I knew something was going to happen in the race. Like, I knew a wreck no, was going to happen. No, he was saying at the very beginning the way some guys were driving. Right. He's like, I knew that was bound to happen. happen. And so, he, did you feel like he put that on you? Why did that no, piss you off? Because Randy. Oh, I got So, it's like, all right, the dent so and then the like George, this. So, Nemechek fired you up even more. Yes, he did. So, we get out there and run. The cars tore up. And, you know, end of the race comes. And, I mean, I'm still pretty pissed about it so we run out of gas and i finally coast around come in i said fill it back up and they're like man race there's only like one lap left i said fill it back up so they filled it up and i won't name the spotter but he knew what i was fixing to do and it, you know we took back off and i guess we were in turn one he goes turn four start finish line lajoy finally got up yeah, we hit him. And you ran into his car. Yeah. Race over? Yeah. Okay. So it was just more like the anger, I guess, at the time. And, you know, like when you get upset, you yeah. do things. Well, we all go in the NASCAR trailer and he Did NASCAR come over and say, Hey man, you got we we saw that, you gotta come to the trailer? At the time nobody really saw what happened. They knew something happened. But they didn't know they didn't know what happened, but nope. they knew something happened. Yep. How'd you get called to the trailer? Oh, as soon as I pulled in, they the officials like, come up, said yeah. you and your crew chief. So we go in there and Randy's like, you know, man, I never touched you. I'm like, look, the back of my car is black. There ain't no blue on my car, but there's blue all underneath it. And I said, Your car is blue. I said, You hit us. He's like, I never touched you. And that I've seen the replay. Like, he flat run over you. Yeah, so, you know, when we went in there, I was never directly asked, did you hit Randy? Yeah. They just said kind of what happened. Well, I guess it was Tuesday or Wednesday. Mike Helton called. His buckshot, he goes, I need to talk to you. Like, yes, sir. He goes, did you hit Randy? I said, if you're going to ask me a direct question, I'm going to give you a direct answer. I said, yes. I said, but you never asked me in that trailer, you know, did I hit him? Yeah. You just said, hey, what happened? And I told you. And I said, but, you know, he wrecked us. I said, he goes into that driver's meeting. So that kind of started right there between me and him. And I don't know that we had any other issues until Bristol. Yeah. And, so this well, was yeah. in 97. Yeah. yeah hold, hold tight. So what, what was the repercussions of that after Mike Helton's calling you? Uh, did you get fined? Did you get doc points? Like, what happened? I think I got Five thousand dollar fine, fifty points. Okay, so did it? Did you regret it? At the time, no. But you know, looking back on you know things, you know when that race is over, yeah. I mean, I don't believe in really hitting people. I mean, some guys take their seat belts off, you know, or whatever. Um, but it was just you're in like the heat of the moment, I guess. And and my last question about it, hearing you tell this story, was anybody trying to talk you out of it? You said your spotter was knew about it, knew what you were doing. Giving you, giving you uh, at least info about where LaJoy is, mm -hmm. right? So there's nobody else just saying buckshot, cool down, or whatever. Crew chief, nobody. No. Okay. I, I don't think they really knew until it was kind of. After the fact. Yep. Yeah. Okay. But no regrets. 
even after Helton, all that stuff, you're just like, look, he had it coming. Yeah. Okay. Then you go to Bristol. Um, Bristol, you know, always look at it like this. You know, if you bump someone, you know, and you to get on around them, if you've been on them, been on them, been on them, and they're not losing other positions, you know, at short tracks, that's just part of it to me. And that's what happened, like, with Randy. You bumped him. Barely bumped him. Passed him. Yep. And that's it. He didn't lose a spot. He didn't lose anything. Go down to the next corner and dumps me. But, you know, at that time after that race, what's so funny is is he says, hey, you know, he got a, he got a run on me. You know, I'll let him go. Um, we go down, turn one, and, you know, he checked up. You know, people checked up in front of us. I'm like, there ain't nobody in damn front of us. And, I mean, he lifted us, spun us, and, yeah, I was fired up right then because I was like, you know, I've had it. You know, you wrecked us at Talladega. Now you wreck us here. Why do you think that he was sort of had this agenda for you? Because Randy didn't wreck other people. But that you, I and would him say, to cook, you and him seemed like y'all just couldn't yeah, wait, I mean, wait I, to do it. We never had words like before. We never had any problems. No, I mean, yeah. nothing. It was would just y'all, Talladega. Would y'all talk to each other at the track? No. Say, hey, wave, nothing? No. So y'all, there was no communication Mm-mm. between any of these incidents, good or bad? No. Yeah. Did you think it was over after Talladega, though? Like, did you suspect that it – would carry on even if you didn't like the guy no you, you, i didn't I, I you know thought hey it was just all right it happened it's over with okay so you thought it was over mm-hmm. then bristol happens and now it's not over and now you got these uh feelings are all back yeah so yeah. you get dumped you're mad mm-hmm. and then he's like I'm, I'm not sorry right that's even worse isn't it i mean a guy when a guy does something like that and has zero remorse or it takes no responsibility yeah. That makes it even worse, don't it? Yeah. So now you're like, in your mind, are you thinking of getting his ass back? <laughs> no, nah, I looked at it, you know, at Bristol, you know, hit him a little bit. That's over. I'm not, I wasn't looking at going, you know, wrecking him, you know, you know, somewhere else. Um, I think we got together at Nazareth and, you know, it destroyed his car. But it's like he said, you know, I think if I remember we all went into the one corner at Nazareth, and it got bunched up, and he got in the back of Patty. I got in the back of him. You know, he hit the wall. We did not give each other an inch, I yeah. mean, ever. And I don't remember what race or what happened between me and him. I think we were at Charlotte, and we got called into the trailer um, with crew chiefs and everything. And was told, if you wreck each other, we're going to park you. You're sitting in a race. If you're in the same accident— and you, neither one of you caused it, whatever. If you're both in it, we're parking you, and you're going to miss the next race. Mm. We're not going to have it, you know, you know, anymore. And, yeah, uh, you couldn't fit a piece of paper in between our car at times, but we didn't touch. I mean, I, I don't remember. I think it was before that we were at Loudon. It was faster than him. And finally, you know, got a run on him. Got beneath him, hit, you know, he hit the wall. Well, I looked at it. I'd ridden behind you. I was faster. We've had problems. You should have let me go. And I think Jeff Green was behind us. And we were on the plane ride home. Me and him were talking. And I go, what would you think about it? I said, you were there. He goes, I think you're both at fault. He goes, I think Randy should have given you the room because you were there. He goes, 
but I look at it, you, if you'd have given it probably two more laps, you probably would have passed them. It wouldn't have been a problem. But you two guys have had so many problems together, neither one of you are given. And I think it was pretty much after NASCAR talked, everything kind of stopped yeah. between us. Um, it, we may have bumped each other, but everything pretty much settled. And actually, I called him in 09, I think, about doing my boy's quarter midget seats. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, come up, you know, no problem. And I talked to him one other time, you know, kind of quick. Thought, you know, hey, over, and then he'd come on here. And he started saying stuff. I'm like, man. Did you? Oh, so you heard it, what he was saying on here? I ended up listening because I got phone calls. And like, hey, man, LaJoy's <laughs> like giving you hell. And I'm like listening to it. And I'm like, dude, you're telling two separate stories. You say one thing after the Bristol race. You come on here, and then you say something complete, completely different. What did he say here that got you so upset? That he did it on purpose. Wrecked us Admitted at it. Bristol. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just like, hey – what happened back then, the way I look at it. Well, I, like I mean, I think you already knew that, right? Yeah. You already knew it, and you're just hearing him admit it. Mm-hmm. Made, 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 well, made an old room Maybe fresh. it's Maybe it's because, I don't know, was it two years ago? When Cole Custer at Darlington did, like, a throwback scheme, mm -hmm. and I had to do, like, a few, like, radio interviews. Mm -hmm. I didn't talk about it about Randy at all. Yeah. I just said, hey, what happened back then? You know, hey – Everybody, you know, has someone usually they don't get along with. But, hey, all that's kind of done. It's over with. So I just look at it, hey, what happened in the past, leave it. And then you come on, and you're, like, bringing stuff up. I'm like, all right. We're a bit, we're a bit <laughs> stirs, I think. Yeah. <laughs> There's a little bit I, I don't of that. Be it, probably. And I, I do recognize that it sucks to have to explain Rex from 25 years ago. <laughs> it probably does suck now that I think about it. But here we are. And, uh, I mean, this is what people remember. I remember it. I remember yeah. you going after Randy and missing. Was That was a Bristol too, wasn't it? No, I got him some. Well, no, I know you got him some. <laughs> but didn't you try to wreck him once that and, and missed? No, he thinks I missed. But oh. if you watch the video, his rear quarter panels dented in. Yeah. But I guess he knew, but the car was so tore up, you know, backing in the wall. Plus, you know, you know, I was down on the apron, pulled back up. So, you know, hit him a little bit. And But, yeah, I mean, it was just flat out, you dumped me. Yeah. And, you know, I don't – and like I said, I don't think we had any problems from Talladega to then. But it was just like, hey, I mean, that passing, it's Bristol. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, early in the race, yeah. But, you know, it gets towards the end of the race. If you bump someone up a little bit and you're not causing them to lose a bunch of positions, that's part of it. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, yeah, you had run-ins with Robert Presley. I watched that one uh, at Bristol. Robert come down on you. I think you must have been lapped or something, and they were trying to get around you and get back to the bottom of the racetrack because the bottom was the preferred line. And But he come down yeah. across the nose. During the broadcast, broadcast booth, you know, covered it for you, saying, yeah, he was, you know, nothing you could have done. So, I mean, you've been in a lot of incidents that weren't your fault, you know, just, just hard racing. But you got that reputation, I guess, yeah. so it was easy. I mean, yeah, like that deal there, no, nah, I mean, we were running, I think we were running up front, and we had a tire go down or something, so we ended up getting a lap down. 
So, you know, the lap cars were doing the inside, which I always lap, but I'm racing the guys that are behind right behind you. me. Yep, yep. But at the same time, I give you all the room. Yeah, they had. And they, you come down across, mm-hmm. and it was like, I knew Robert more through Ricky, because I guess, you know, they had worked together yeah. before. I'd always gotten along with uh, Robert, but, you know, I can see sides of it. You know, you think it's the other person's fault. You were running up front, you know, your lap car. But yeah, you know, sometimes that heat of the moment, you know, you say Was things. Was your dad, did your dad come up to you, say, hey, we're going cup racing, it's time? What What was that all about? You know, I think me, him, and Ricky had talked about, you know, moving up. And, you know, you I was kind of your both. own team. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And, I mean, it was kind of that time being a single car team, man, that's not the way to go. No. And, you know, I guess because we'd had success, you know, had Ricky um, hired new people in, you know, thought, hey, you know, we can probably do this. Um, We'd even talked about, you know, starting a second car also. Not at that time. Yeah. But, hey, you know, let's see how this year goes. You know, not the following year, but maybe like third year, you know, second or third. And it just, you know, got behind, you know, Early on, didn't have the cars, you know, the shop, getting everybody in. So, you know, it's hard enough in, you know, the Xfinity series if your stuff isn't ready yeah. trying to play catch up. But our cars were like off. Um, the car, the cup car we had, I drove a car to Bowler Brothers back then when you'd run all the, the weird shocks. So, I mean, I knew how the car would feel. And when I went, we went to test. I mean, that car was horrible. And I was telling Ricky, like, hey, man, there's something wrong with the car. We ended up getting Bobby Labonte to get in it because he was the only one, you know, maybe closer to my size uh, that could get in it. He didn't even make three laps. He said, man, I don't know what's wrong with this car. He goes, something is messed up. Then we tested Rockingham. Car was good. We go back to race. Man, the car is just something happened with the brakes. And by the time we figured it out, we never even got to really do a qualifying like a clean run, miss the race. And then we tested somewhere else, and I just said, look, something's not right with these cars. I said, I'm just telling you. And I think me and Ricky at that time, maybe, I wouldn't say we were splitting apart, but I think looking back now, there were times he was thinking, I was saying it's your fault. Yeah. Mm. You know, or, or something like that kind of happened. Um but it wasn't. It was like, hey, there's something wrong with these cars. Well, it's not your fault. The car, something's not right. Well, we ended up taking the car uh, back, uh, put it on the jig. It wouldn't even come close to fitting. Mm. Brand new car. Took another car. Wouldn't even fit the jig. So called Hopkins and said, hey, man, I, said, I need some help. I said, I need a front clip. He said, man, I'm two weeks behind. I was like, I got to have one now. And he said, where are you at? told him i said man i'll have every one of my cars you know you'll do all of them and he fit us in and you know cars weren't that bad but it's just we weren't progressing i mean things just weren't clicking there it's a new team um i remember that in 2001 you went to drive for richard petty in the 44 did you did they call you how did that happen i think they did it was a weird deal um, I was running Bush. We were in Atlanta, and I had to do a PR up in the condos. I did – my parents was coming out. I saw a guy, you know, I used to know. 
And he was, hey, man, what's going on? We talked. He said, hey, come in here. We signed a couple autographs. I'm like, yeah. Well, it was the Georgia Pacific. So walked in, you know, stayed for probably 15 minutes, talked, signed autographs, come out. The guy from Georgia Pacific come in. He goes, did we sponsor you? I'm like, no, sir. I said, uh, <laughs> I think they were an associate on Mike Skinner's car back then. Just talked a few minutes, left. Dad called Monday. He goes, hey, he goes, you need to come into town. He goes, we got a meeting tomorrow. So go down to Georgia Pacific, talk to them. He's like, man, he goes, why'd you come in there? I said, well, I, said, I knew this guy. He worked there. Just said, hey, will you come sign some autographs? He goes, when we go cup racing, he goes, we're coming to you. So did, and I think it may have got around that had the sponsor. I know we talked to a couple of teams, but then, you know, Petty's, they came in, flew down, and met with them. And I liked everything that was going on. You know, they were going back to Dodge. All the teams were supposed to share information. All three of the cars were identical. I mean, you couldn't have different bodies, all this. So I'm like, you know what? If all those cars are identical, you know, if I'm off and like John and Kyle are on, maybe I can put their setup. It seemed like a good deal. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of like, you know, talking and, then just kind of went there and things didn't work out. Did you enjoy driving in the Cup Series? I did if we had a good car. Yeah. You know, but when I knew that we were behind, you know, it was like, no, um, I didn't. Actually, when I drove DEI's car that time. At when Talladega, did you do that? Man, that was, I forget what year. In Cup? Yeah. What happened is with Michael Waltrip, I had a sponsor do just like one race cup race at atlanta and i think it rained out qualifying something happened where it rained it out so i guess it was the next week i called michael i said hey let me ask something what if i want to change races he's what do you mean i said well we still got to run atlanta i said but let's say i don't want to run there i want to run talladega i said but i want it to be dei car he goes let me make a call so he called called me back and he said it was X amount of dollars more to, like, go retest. So it's like, hey, I'm fine with that. So we did. So I tested one of the DEI cars that I was going to drive in Michael's car, and I think it was Jason Keller was testing yours Mm -hmm. in the one car. Well, Michael's car was a rocket. The car I was in was six-tenths of a second off. Mm. And we did everything chassis. And, you know, days over, like, well – you know, we're done with the chassis. I'm like, what are you talking about? They said, well, the aero guys are flying down tomorrow. Aero guys come down, and, dude, that car, when they were done with it, was six hundredths of a second. It's like they were putting, like, like little Loctite bottles up there on the nose. They'd watch how it blow back. And Michael's car drove like a Cadillac. The one I was driving, like, both hands on the wheel. <laughs> well, the problem was we're done and the guys come in they're like, hey, man, you're fixing to get screwed. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, the one car is, like, really bad, and they're going to swap cars. And I was like, oh, hell no. So I grabbed a screwdriver, and they didn't know. I got in the car, and I marked. I called Michael. I was like, hey, man. I said, what's the deal? You took a screwdriver and marked the interior of the car so you could see the mark. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I called Michael. He goes, look, man, I've already talked to them. You get, you're keeping that car. They're just going to bring back something different. And I was like, cool. So come back from the, for the race, 
And when I go walking in the garage, all the guys, you know, heads down, I'm like, what's going on? They're like, man, they screwed you, man, they screwed you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They, they swap cars. So I jumped in the car. I looked. I'm like, no, hell no, it's the same car. They're like, how do you know? I said, because I marked it. And they're like, well, we marked it too. And it was like funny back then. But that car, <laughs> God, man, that car was incredible. Yeah. That was I, probably the most fun I've had, like, like on the super speedways. But it was something I think they were using your sign, the eight, and I think they had it turned sideways because ah. they didn't have mine. <laughs> well, I'm used to seeing zero zero. Yeah. Well, I skidded through, and we just changed. It was either lefts or rights, and I guess flat spotted and blew the tire. And I told Michael after that test that if you don't win this race, it's your own fault. And by God, he won the race. Yeah, That's funny that they th- – they thought a sideways eight would look just like a zero yeah. zero. <laughs> when do you think you had the most fun as a driver? Early on, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. And I kind of liked it more when, you know, you could borrow someone's gear or if you were off on your car, you know, people kind of help you out with setup. And then, like, each year it started getting away because it's a business. I mean, you're competing with this other guy. So I'd say probably 97, 98, probably the most fun for in me. In the Xfinity Series, in yeah. the Bush Series. Yeah. Well, you had, we, we haven't even talked about your wins. I mean, you, you win twice in the Xfinity Series. Yeah. Well, um, I talked to Kyle uh, a little bit this weekend, and Kyle told me that he thought you really never, and never wanted to be a cup racer. You really enjoyed the super late model stuff and racing in the Bush Series, and that, that you never – you felt that he felt like that maybe your dad and maybe other people, other thing other other things around you steered you toward that direction like it was like you said when you said when you sat down here your dad told you when we get successful in this level we're moving up mm-hmm. and you kept doing that all the way to the very top and maybe you in your heart weren't that weren't that obsessed with becoming a cup racer you just wanted to have fun racing that and maybe where you were having fun was not going to be in the cup series it was more because the business side of it wasn't as, as enjoyable um no i mean cup is where i wanted to be and i was used to you know maybe being like in the all-american division or late model stocks and you know if you got competitive you move up you don't stay and win races this is what the plan is so with the xfinity series you know that's like a bigger leap to me going from there and going into cup so yeah, you'd be disappointed at times, but you knew, hey, there was going to be a setback. When you jump up like that, all right, things – Start from scratch. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I guess when we went cup racing, you know, since I kind of understood a little bit of the business side of it and other things, it was like, hey, you know, we're behind. we got to take a step back. Otherwise, we're going to have, like, the whole season like this. And we did, and then there were some issues. You know, Ricky ended up – leaving and when went to the petties you know did your relationship with ricky stay sour no Mm-mm. it was when he left right um Y'all sorted it oh yeah yeah um i'll talk to him a couple times a year i don't like holding grudges against people or being mad at people like over time like that and uh me and him always had good times went and hunting did other stuff together when did you stop racing uh stop racing full time an O2? Why? Got to let go at Petty's. I know, but why did you quit? Why didn't you keep racing? Actually, I was going to. I talked to some other teams. Um, 
And I just said, man, if I'm going back, I want to be in something that will be competitive. Where? Who? The other teams, I forget exactly. Was it Cups, Finity, or? Both. But then ended up talking to James Finch and flew down there and met with James. And he said, look, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to run X amount of bush races, X amount of cup races. Well, I knew James, hey, he was going to have the best that he could have. And you're going to give the best opportunity. Well, we had had my wife at the time. We'd had our first child, and she was pregnant with our second one. And I guess I got let go in April, and this was probably I don't know around September or something. You know, talked to James, did like a handshake, and he said, "You need a contract." I'm like, "No," I said, "Handshake's good enough for me." But when I told her, she said, "No," she said, "You're done with racing." I'm like, <laughs> "Your wife said that." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is what I do. She says, yeah, but we got a family now. And I'm like, I just thought, you know, hey, with her being pregnant, her second child. Race a little less. A couple of days later, uh-uh. It's like, neither you're quitting or we're getting divorced. And probably another week went on. And to me, family was always, always first for me. Yeah. And I, when my first son was born, you know, they take you out of the delivery room. They'll take the baby, clean it up. And you know, you see them in there. Well, for some reason, maybe babies that were born premature, something was wrong. They had the curtain part open. And, man, when I saw, like, tubes and things like that, I mean, like, tears come to my eyes. What was my, going on? I don't know what was wrong with the other kids, uh-huh. but it's just seeing oh, the kids a- like that, just, you know, tore me up. Yeah. And I told Dad, I'm like, when my son that was just born, I said, when he turns five or six, I'm done with racing. I said, I'm not going to – if he's going to play sports, you know, at five years old, I'm not missing it. I said, you know, it was just a weird moment at that time, you know, I guess seeing those other, you know, babies that way, like, I'm not going to miss this. And And when did that happen? He was born November of 01. All right. So you had no problems then stopping? No. I would have probably stopped like in 01. Six oh yeah. seven. All right, so you know, that that was what you had your plan mind. was. And you it had was a just, plan. Yeah, it just expedited it a bit. When you got yeah. all right, so when you, when the racing season starts in February of oh three, I guess, and then and you you know you're not there, you're not doing it. Was it weird? Yeah, it was weird for a couple of years. A couple of years. Yeah. Did but, you have a hard time with that or no? Yeah. Yeah. What were you doing? Actually, uh, no, nah, my dad was doing some, like, land developing with another guy. Um, the other guy kind of handled everything. Um, he was a home builder in Georgia, which uh, it used to be Meridian Home. Now they're Reliant. And he's like, you like the outdoors? He goes, you know, go work with, you know, him. Learn the developing. He goes, you can make, you know, good money doing it. So I ended up getting involved in that probably mid '03. I think it was, and then just kind of. So back to his question then, now that we know what you're doing, did you hate it? Did you hate doing that because you weren't racing? You said you had a couple of years where you struggled. Yeah, but it was sitting and not really doing anything made it worse. Yeah. So if you got out there developing, you did like, you know, outdoors, you know, all that stuff, it kind of took your mind off of it, but, you know, missed it and – you know, once a, probably a year or two passed, you know, it started getting easier because, like, you were you were out of it in a way. So you're not used to doing it all the time. 
But regretting it, you know, no, nah, I mean, like I said, family to me was always the most important. Uh, I wish I would have raced for several more years, mm -hmm. but things, that's just not the way it happened. You did have that 2003 Dega Dega race with Michael in the DEI car you mentioned, but after that, you never drove anything. Yeah. Uh, I drove, I'm trying to think, a couple of Hooters races. Yeah. And then... What did you think about that? I, I mean, I like getting back in the car. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that was probably two, I don't know, three years after I'd got out. Yep. Yeah, you can tell you're rusty when you've not mm. been in a car for yeah. a while. And, you know, I didn't expect, hey, I'm going to jump in the Hooters car and go win and all this. It's just like, hey, this will be fun. Mm. You know, but I knew... I would not get back into it, you know, full time. It was just more driving it for a couple of races. So, yeah, I, I had a good time doing it. Why'd um, you stop? They, I think that team, they ended up in dissolving. Yeah, but I mean, you've got enough of resources of your own to just pedal. <laughs> what you were saying, I looked at that. Um, <laughs> a guy I used to race with at Lanier, uh, Wayne Willard. He was helping a, another team out, and I went to the race at Lanier and just like seeing the cars and things that they're doing, and got to talking to him like, "Hey man, what does that cost?" And like this, he's like, "Man, you start talking like, here's a hundred grand, here's oh, hundred and fifty yeah. grand." He's like, "You know what? I think I'll just stick with what you're doing." Yeah, I'm surprised though that you're not an owner of a car or anything like that, even just just to kind because of, once it's in your kind of it's in your blood, you know. Yeah, but because you look healthy, you look great. You know, you look like you you're doing well physically. Yes, like you could jump behind the wheel right now and go drive something. <laughs> It'd be fun. How old are you? Fifty one. Fifty one. God, how old's your kids? Uh, eighteen and nineteen. Wow. Yeah. What's that like? How was it being a dad? Like growing up. So I'm a, I got two little girls, three and three years old and ten months. All right. So, what was being a dad like? How did you enjoy that? where are they where best, are being a father is like the best time of your life did There's you get to do all the better. things you wanted to do when you quit racing you get to go all the games you get to go do all the dad things. yes i mean everything doctors appointments teachers you know anything that involved them they came first no matter what always how yeah. much of the racer buckshot jones do they know or do they want to discuss or do they ask about ah uh, they did like years ago um <laughs> You know, and they'll still bring it up at times, you know, like their friends and stuff know, you know, used to race. But, no, nah, I mean, it's not talked about a lot. Where is you? Where do you live now? Uh, I guess it's called Hostin, Georgia. What's your house look like? Just a brick house. What's inside? Is there, if I walked into your house right now, would I see anything in there from your racing past? Absolutely not. And the reason you well, wouldn't, because the whole house is being remodeled. So <laughs> well, if it wasn't why. being remodeled, do you, do you save a, a shelf? Well, downstairs I had like you know racing all the racing pictures okay. like down in the basement, and then. But those are getting that's getting remodeled too. Oh yeah. Will anything go back? I don't know because I may end up selling the house, so I'm de debating whether <laughs> I'm your, selling it. Where's the two trophies from your Xfinity wins? Uh, one of them's in a building or a farm we call the toy box, and the <laughs> other one's at my mom's. Yeah, the toy box. Why do you call it that? Just got I don't know. Toy, long it's got all time the four wheelers ago. in it. Well, my dad, <laughs> you know, my dad had a bunch of, like, older cars. Um, my uncle had a bunch of stuff. So it's a warehouse. So it's kind of like cars. toys. Yeah. So it's like, all right, we're going to call this the toy box. It's a warehouse. Mm. Wow. So you're in there. Yeah. All 
I've never given a helmet away. I don't know why. A huh? uh, fire suit, you know, I have. But like, I'd say every helmet I got, every fire suit, you know, wore. It's all it's in all, there. Yeah. It's on the shelf cool. or boxed up? Both. Gotcha. There were about five million Buckshot Jones T-shirts out uh, in the merchandise line. Do you got any of them? No kidding. Yeah, there's still some that are boxed up. That's what I need. That's one thing I ain't got in my collection. You Buckshot don't have a Jones. Buckshot Jones oh, shirt. Damn no. I'll get you one. I need one. You know the oldest people. one, older the better. <laughs> All right. Like the mo- yeah. Yeah. Hey, can I ask you real quick about your win? Uh, you, when you won Milwaukee, that was mm-hmm. your first win. Yes. I, I was looking at the statistic line. It said you started 32nd. You, I think that's right. Okay. What happened in that race? I mean, like you won that race, and you led 28 laps in this race. So what do you remember of winning? Because one, be one I remember got spun out, and it put us off like a, the pitch sequence. Got it. So what it did, it ended up moving us up in the field, but the track was coming apart. And I don't know, it just the way the track was, it could maybe fit kind of like my driving style, but – we had older tires, and the car, you know, wouldn't turn that good. But what was weird, if I drop it off the apron, kind of coming off four, it'd make that car turn. But it'd mess up the guy behind you because it'd throw stuff all over the track. And it's just things kind of come together. I, that's when I, I saw Dick, you know, trickle that time throwing the cigarette out. He was running second, and he kept looking in the rearview mirror. He overdrove that corner. He just got up out of that groove a little bit, you know, all that – track where it's getting tore up sucks you right up out of the track but uh you know right there at the end of the race i guess we were kind of had enough of a lead that i started being too careful coming off turn four mike mclaughlin i mean got a run and i mean we beat him i think maybe half a car length but that was pretty exciting yeah, I mean, I'm looking at Buckshot Jones wins, Mike McLaughlin second, Randy LaJoy third. It's like all your buddies all right yeah. there, first, second, third. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and what was bad about it too? I didn't. I thought there was one lap left in the race. I didn't know we were coming to the checker. Yeah. And so when Mike kind of got that run, I drove off into turn one. Well, I think he was pulling up to congratulate me. <laughs> And I mean, I'm, 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 I never, yeah, I never let off. And, you know, I come down and he ends up spinning out. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, the windshield's dirty. You know, it's like your first win. Um, You're all nervous. Everything's going through your mind. I I thought we just took, had taken the white flag. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) I had to be special. I mean, that was a family owned team. Yeah. Your dad, all that y'all had invested. Mm-hmm. Was he there? No. Not there. Mm-hmm. You remember talking he, to him? Did he get to see any of your wins? Mm, he wasn't there, no. Yeah. He was there at a lot of races, some of them, yeah. you know, with his business. I mean, sometimes he was working Saturdays sure, and sure, Sundays. Sure, sure, sure. Well, where are you headed now? Uh, probably I got to stop over did in you, Spartanburg. Did you drive up? Yes, last night. From how, how long is the drive? How far are you from Charleston? Oh, man, I'm a good ways. Yeah. You know Lanier Raceway? Yes, I do. All right. Well, when you get off 85, you turn to the right to go to Lanier, turn to the left, and I'm like eight minutes. So you came up here, you're going to do our podcast. What else? Uh, stopped, up, stopped last night at uh, Phil Cones' museum. Mm-hmm. That was interesting going through that place. Yeah. He has got some really cool stuff. Really nice guy. Cool. Where's that at? Man, what exit? Shelby, North Shelby, Carolina. Yeah. Okay. He's in our Lost Speedways yeah, episode. Yeah. It was funny because, you know, I, when he – 
talked to him here a week ago. He said, man, I'd love you to stop by the museum. I said, yeah, I'd love to see it. And I said, whenever I figure it out, I'm going, I'll call you. So I was running all day yesterday. I left probably about 5.15, and it was right about 7.15. I called him and said, hey, you know, I'm going to the podcast. I said, you know, stop by tomorrow, you know, just whenever I get done. He said, where are you right now? And I told him. He said, well, heck, you're only 15 minutes away from my place right now. I said, well, send me your address. And so I went over there and hung out there, and he showed me a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Like I said, it's – Cool stuff. Yeah, I've never been into like a NASCAR museum, being able to see that. But seeing that just was really neat. That's cool. Hey, there's Who one came thing, with you? Just me. By yourself? Yeah. Where are you going next? I got to stop over in Spartanburg. I got to go check. We still have a piece of property over there. Yeah. Because uh, we did a lot of developing in Greenville and Spartanburg. But just going to check that piece out and probably see what Ricky's doing. Well, there's one. There's another stop Barclay, you got before yeah. you leave. You got uh, Tony. Tony Barclay and Jimmy Jam back there. Said, yeah. Don't I, let him get out of here. I know. I talked to him a little bit while, when I first got here. Okay, good. Okay, good. But that's the first time I've seen Tony, man, in I a bet. long time. I bet you. Man, you got to stop being such a stranger. All right. It's weird how we'll spend all these years racing and not really talk. Like, I mean, I mean, you never really had much of a conversation. No. That I can remember. Um, yeah, and I think the only two run-ins me and you had, I believe, was the Daytona. Oh, we had another one? In Bristol. What? At Bristol, I believe, I qualified on the pole, get to the media center, Rick Houston, Walks up, he says, dude, you're not on the pole. I'm like, yeah, I am. He says, no, you're not. He says, junior is. I'm like, no, he's not. He's second or he's third. If I, But the scoring loops or something were messed up. You sat on the pole. I was outside pole. And I think either you or it was me put a donut in our door <laughs> before the green flag. What the hell? And that was the only time that I remember having. That's so weird. What an Dale? I don't remember. He said he doesn't know who did what. Yeah, I know who did it. Oh, shit. No, your dad Sounds does, man. <laughs> <laughs> we were at Richmond in a cup You had a run-in with him? Yeah, I did To too. a degree. I had a few, yeah. I, no, we didn't touch <laughs> or nothing. I'd have a bunch of run-ins with that guy. But, man, I talked to him maybe every once in a while. It'd be like something real quick. And we were sitting there at Richmond, and he was in front of me. We were going to make qualifying runs. And the spotter can see me. He goes, man, he goes, you need to go. He goes, we only got like five minutes left. I said, I got to wait till Dale goes. Well, there was plenty of times he could have went. He didn't. Well, I was probably three car lengths off from him. So they're like, look, the next opening, we're going to tell you, fire it up, you need to go. So I did. Fire it up, I go. So I already got speed built up. I'm starting to go around your dad, and he just he's going now. <laughs> well, he kind of swerved at me. He was pissed. <laughs> well, made the qualifying run, come in, was in the garage. He pulls up, and I'd gotten out of the car. And he stops. Oh. It gives me that right there. I was like, God dang, man. He flipped you off. Yeah, so man. the next race, you know, you were a rookie, so you had to go to the rookie meet. Well, I was avoiding him. I saw him a couple of times. I was like, I'm going to go this way, <laughs> go that way. Finally, he I didn't see him. He come walking down in between the haulers, and somebody grabbed me by the back of the neck. He goes, come here, boy. I was like, hey, hey, it wasn't my fault. It was the spotter's fault. I said, I didn't mean to cut you off. He just kind of looked at me. He goes, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, I was like, man, I was, I knew he was pissed. And yeah. I was like, man, I'm dreading when I have to see him. Damn. <laughs> I never got the bird. 
Oh, you, I got it. You got the shoe. You <laughs> yeah. got the shoe. You got worse he than the bird. Yeah. He so threw I, the shoe at you in Japan. Yeah. I forget who the spotter was, but I said, like, you're the one that's going to go apologize and tell him because it's your fault. Yeah. You're the one that told me to go. <laughs> I know. Man. That's wild. Well, man, it's been good to talk to you. You too. Good catching up. Yes, sir. And I appreciate you coming up here all this way. And there's a lot of folks that are going to be thrilled to hear you on this podcast and catch up with you. Good so, deal. We appreciate you, man. Always. And it's good to know you're doing so well and – and uh, still kicking, even though we don't get to see you as much as we'd like to. <laughs> yep. I'm looking forward to two kids out of Georgia, though, that yeah. are going to be Who's coming. That? Chandler Smith He's and uh, Jake Garcia. All right. We'll keep an eye on them. Chandler Smith, Jake Garcia, they get the seal of approval from Buckshot Jones. Yeah. You the, heard it first here on the Dale Jr. Download. Wow, that sounded professional. You almost think good. we'd rehearse that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's actual. Life. It's live. All right, live. Don't lie, Mike. Live. Oh Lord. All right, I'm gonna start the stream. Have you not started it? <laughs> I started. That, that, that sounded like that Bill O'Reilly clip. Exactly. Yeah. We're doing it live. Do it live. That's what I was trying to. Model. That was good. Yeah. I knew exactly what you were doing. <laughs> we're we're definitely live. Now. Oh, we're we're live. <laughs> we're live. Hey. All right. So, um, this is the Ask Junior part of the show. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I want to ask. Uh, I got an ask Dillner. Oh, yeah. I got uh, an ask the Dillner. same ask you, uh, Dillner. Where's our Kale Yarborough decal, man? How hard is it to get decal made for our suit over here? Kale. All right. All right. I'm putting it on the Thank list, you. bro. I knew if I did it in front of everybody, that's right. Finally, do it. <laughs> Call my butt out. He can't call you back. No. He can't talk back. No, no. it's live. Yeah, that, so, I love that. What else yeah. do you want to give Dylan? So we have a we Mike. Have a Mike's learned that too. He'll call me out in front of Dale. It's like, <laughs> yep. yep. Somebody brought I'm, in I'm, a Kale Yarborough uniform, and we hung it over there. Yes, it says Kale Yarborough on it, but it's at the distance you can't tell. And if it's obviously getting caught by a camera, maybe you don't know whose it is. So I was thinking about getting a decal that says Kale. Or you know, just anything that would would really help people know whose suit that is. So, uh, and I, I I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, maybe two or three weeks ago. So I figured since everybody's here, <laughs> you would just make I'm it a point to get rid of that. Yes. <laughs> One, two, three. Now, if you see me on the phone, you know why. All right. So, um, anyways, this is the Ask Junior part of the show. Thanks to Xfinity for uh, supporting this part of the show. They're a, pr- a proud premier partner of NASCAR, and um, I've I've been a customer for uh, over a year. So I have a home, a vacation home, and I bought Xfinity Internet for it. And, uh, you know, so it's good. Good. It doesn't have any outages because I got a couple of security cameras and I got an app. And I've had, I had a, I sold sold a vacation home to get this one. So I got rid of one and moved locations somewhere a little closer. But uh, that old house had a different provider, and man, the li- the line would go down every you know couple can't, of weeks. Can't have that. God, I hated that. So uh, while you're not there, you know you don't want why is the in- why is the internet out? Anyways, not having that problem now. So anyways, they do support our show. They're a great partner for uh, for NASCAR. But I'm a customer, a paying customer, and and it's been really really solid. And it uh, it's it's I got about I got so many devices hooked up to it and it's still going strong you know it'd be cool is if xfinity could help you with that rat problem you got i do have a rat problem and i don't think that that's <laughs> that's, that's not their business their business all yeah. right well i mean it's just an it's not really a rat problem i mean it's just an island problem 
so there's rats on the island. <laughs> not, I'm just catching them. Um, I'm eager to go back, catch some more. Uh, anyways, I guess we should get around to the whole purpose of this segment. Maybe. <laughs> that might be a good idea. Yeah. I was going to remind you uh, we were live. Yeah, I've sent some um, – you guys have sent in some questions to uh, Xfinity Racing on Twitter, and they are always really good. We say this all the time if you listen if you listen to the podcast about how this is my favorite part of the show. I wish that we could have fan interaction throughout the entire show, uh, but this is the only part where there's fan interaction. So to me, it's the best part of the show. And uh, let's get started. So our, some questions, Leah. Our first question is from Brian Blackford. Do you like the cutoff race being at Daytona? I do. You know, I uh, I miss Daytona being uh, July 4th, you know, our sort of July 4th celebration. I will always prefer it to be that weekend. And we used to have an off weekend before that race. And I always went down to Daytona during the off weekend. So we'd go vacation, stay in Daytona, rent a house, whatever. I'd take, you know, as many friends as I could fit in my car. And we'd drive down to Daytona and we'd, you know, just have fun all weekend. And then the next weekend I'd race and we'd go home. So it was such a great time. And the schedule changed to where the off weekend went away. I was pissed off. And then, you know, now the races, you know, the July 4th events, where is it now? It was at Indy. We tried it there. Then we, oh, rode, rode at America, which it was great there. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there was, it was a, there was a lot of great energy. Uh, they celebrate that holiday pretty well up there. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I'll always prefer to be on, on the July 4th weekend, but... For what we're trying to accomplish in terms of elimination and drama and anybody can win, and if you want to race you, the, the last race of the regular season, you either want, you know, if you want to have an anybody can win moment and the possibility of a real upset, you, having the race at Daytona is a no-brainer. So it kind of works for what we're trying to accomplish right now as a sport, but I miss the tradition a little bit of, of the July 4th weekend down there. Next question from Nick Wallace. Do you think A.J. Allmendinger catches Cindric for the regular season Xfinity Championship? I don't know. He's 35 behind. Yeah, there's a few races left, so I think he could. Cindric's kind of going to be tough because uh, he's good. Their cars are fast. I think that he probably might not have been focusing so much on that points lead. And with a few races to go, I bet he's going to start taking a little bit more note and care of what's going on there to make sure that he does secure that. But more the more importantly, I guess, is that AJ's really become a contender to win the championship. You know, I don't know that a lot, I don't know how many of us really thought that he could do that or would do that. Now it seems like it could happen, like it really could happen. So that'd be pretty incredible for a guy for his career path. You know, to come in and this is a series where the young guys are there. They try to you know everybody names are made here kind of thing, and uh, to have a veteran driver at 39 years old win the championship would be pretty interesting. Next question from Dan Wilkinson Jr. Uh, I watched the race from the infield exit of turn two. I found the NBC channel on the scanner. Tell everybody about the conversations that go on when you guys are not on air. Shout out to the director. He's on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's a, uh, you know, the booth, I don't, I, you know, the booth has always been uh, interesting to me because 
there's broadcasters that you really appreciate and admire, and everybody's got their favorite guy from the past, and maybe you got a few. But I think uh, what makes ours so special is that we all really do hang out away from work, and so we have a group text that we're we're in we're in there talking every day, and we 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 know what's going on in each other's lives. Like I know what I know what Burton's up to this week. I know where Latart's at. I know what Rick's doing. When somebody has like a a thing that they're like, man, I got this thing. It's bothering me, or or I I I got something I got to fix, or change. I got a choice to make that's difficult. Uh, we bounce that off of each other, and so uh, you know, I don't. I, I not that other booths aren't friendly, or 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 don't have that type type of connection, but uh, the guys that I work with at NBC with um with Steve and, and Jeff and Rick I mean we're we're pals so it's uh, and we go to bat for each other like we you know if it when it comes down to it sometimes we'll be like well on, we're only doing this if we're all able to do it or uh we definitely uh got each other's back so it's pretty cool um and uh I was already friends with Steve this is uh you know working with Jeff Burton we were we knew each other, we were competitors, but we weren't pals. So we've really become really close in this experience. And getting to know Rick's been amazing because I had no clue who Rick was other than just his work in the booth and uh, hearing him on TV, you know, watching the races. So getting to know what makes him click and what he, what is important to him and what his hobbies and stuff are, it's pretty cool. He's a he's really freaking good as a carpenter. Literally built. He's has he has this new house. He built it. He built the house. He built the cabinets for the house. He built anything involving wood. I mean, the man can do it. Yeah. He is so good. And uh, he, 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 uh, he enjoys it. So we uh, actually had some doors at my house start sticking with the humidity. I painted my doors, and that locked in this, uh, the, some moisture, I guess, that was in the wood. And now... In temperature change in my house, the dang doors are swelling and jamming and getting stuck. And uh, and so, I, you know, Rick comes over and he brings all his tools and we worked on each door individually and and fixed them all. And uh, that's the kind of friend he is. Good, good, good guys. So, yeah, our, our commercial banter is always pretty unfiltered <laughs> because we're so comfortable around each other. We're pretty honest. Next question from Robin Morris. We talk about uh, innovations a lot here. What's the best innovation that you've ever done? Well, um, you know, I don't really. It's hard to know when you're when you're when you cheat up your race car. It's really hard to know whether it worked. Now, when it doesn't work, it's obvious. So, so those are easier to talk about because I made this uh, one time. On, I had this late mall stock car, and I made the the top panel in the ductwork of the front going to the radiator, I made it where it would hinge open. And so the air would come into the nose and it was enough pressure in that box in front of the radiator, the ductwork, that I, it would push that top pan open. And I, so basically I had, a fa- I had three rivets on each side riveting that top panel to the sides of the ductwork. The two front rivets were real. And then the next two rivets were fake. And so that pa- that thing would hinge open when you'd go down the straightaway. And so 
we took it to Myrtle Beach for the first week. I had lightened the car up a lot, so I cut off uh, the hood pin posts and put lighter material to hold the hood pins because I didn't think that was important. Well, when I went down the front straightaway for qualifying and uh, or, or went out to practice for the first time, I mean, everybody's there, brand new year. All Everybody's got their cars polished up, and uh, we hit the track with our car, and all that air coming through the grill and, and popped that radiator duck open. So now that air is going over the top of the radiator into the air cleaner. And because uh, you weren't able to have a cowl in those cars, so the air, you know, trying to force air into that air cleaner, you could run, uh, you could, you know, run more jets, get more fuel, more air, more oxygen, all that. So should help power, right? Should help the motor run better. It's a little two-barrel carburetor, so any kind, anytime you can get more air in there, more fuel and all that should be better. But all that air coming in there started putting pressure on the hood, and it broke the hood pin braces down the front straightaway. So I'm driving the car, and the whole hood, the back of the hood, it broke the hood, the hood pin braces. It broke them off the frame, off the, off the front clip. And so the hood flies up in the air, and the hood's like, way up here flopping just the back of the hood the front still pinned and uh so that was really embarrassing <laughs> um so uh we had to go home and beef up the hood pin braces and all that and they still didn't figure out you know they just thought it was just weak stuff and they didn't really ever find our little our little duckwork trick but uh you know I, I poured illegal fuel into my fuel tank before uh i got busted once at Florence, South Carolina, with a late model race there, for having some ba- some trick fuel, I burnt the motor up one time. Uh, bl- burnt the piston, uh, melted the center of the piston out of the motor, uh, trying to run some trick fuel one time. Really, it's uh, the ones when you make when you try to cheat up your car and it goes wrong. That's the ones that you really remember. Those are the ones that are always kind of fresh on your mind. You know, the, the, the one of the things that I think really works well, and it's still something that kind of crops up every few years, that uh, that still seems to work, and it's still it's hard to find, it's hard to detect, and it takes a ton of effort from from anybody like NASCAR or an inspection body to do, is the bleeder. Like, so if you can make a tire bleed air, however you want to do it, however you can figure out how to do it, when you put air in a tire, let's say that. You start with 20 pounds. As the air builds from temperature, so the tire gets hotter, the, te- the air in the si- inside the tire gets more and grows, uh, you could grow you know, 10 pounds or more. And the more air in that tire, the less, the, the less grip the tire has because the tire contact patch on the ground gets smaller. So as you blow that tire up and it balloons, the actual amount of rubber on the road is less and so there's uh, there have been times in the past where a series could run bleeders and you know so that was nice you could set the bleeder to bleed out the air and keep the tire at a certain pressure the entire run and that you know everybody had that advantage because everybody could use them Uh, but when they when a series doesn't have bleeders if you can figure out a way to let that tire bleed a little bit of air man it's going to be a massive advantage especially on the long run so when everybody else's tires are really inflated from temperature, yours are still low, and you're going to fly. I mean, fly. And so you, we've had times when teams were caught bleeding tires or having tires leak. You'll have a red flag, and 
all of a sudden a guy's got a flat tire sitting there on the racetrack. That's a guy, he's probably bleeding that tire and he didn't anticipate having a red flag. So uh, that's one that, you know, NASCAR cramp, clamp down, start trying to check for it. They'll dip tires in a barrel of water or, bu- or a bucket of water and see if they're bleeding, uh, bubbling or whatever. They'll start clamping down. Everybody stops doing it. And then about five years later, 10 years later, somebody goes, well, I'm going to, I'm going to sneak a little bleeder in there. I'm going to bleed this tire. They'll take a 5,000th drill bit and drill a hole in the sidewall of the tire. They'll figure out how to trick up, trick out the valve stem to where it might bleed some air. Um, there's all kinds of ways to do it. So, but NASCAR, you know, the rumors start flying and NASCAR has to clamp back down and it kind of comes and goes. Uh, but that's one that's still out there today and kind of floating. Floating around. We got one more question? Yes, we, we got one more time. We got one more, <laughs> only because you just said, speaking of uh, rumors flying, there's a lot of chatter in our YouTube live chat about uh, the rumor of NASCAR potentially racing in the L.A. Coliseum. How, do you know anything about that? I Have know any nothing thoughts? about that. I promise you I'd tell you if I did. But, um, I, I mean, I've, I've heard basically anything, whatever everybody else has heard, that I think what NASCAR is doing right now is – is going anywhere and everywhere and saying, "Would you get, could we do this? Is this a possibility? First, you have to find out whether the city, the, the local officials and all that are down. And if they are, then is it really possible, right? Is it physically possible? Then you have to go and get boots on the ground, try to map out a course. How could that happen? Uh, so there's a lot of things that happen, have to happen before it actually, you know, the race can happen probably some impossible hurdles to, to to cross for that to actually really become a reality. But I think NASCAR is going out there right now and saying, this would be cool. Let's go see if it can happen. Let's go talk to them. And that's probably where they're at right now. All right. Well, always fun doing Ask Junior. Um, sorry I got on a rant about the – or uh, some of my answers are long, Mike. <laughs> I know the one about the bleeders was too long. I could <laughs> sense the. Uh, it is good though. The, I could sense the the the, the mood. You know and, what though? Yeah, and the room was changing. It still goes by he's fast. A, man, oh, he's, yeah. it still goes by fast. <laughs> it still goes by it, fast. Well, it's it still nothing, goes by too fast. It's nothing like X Five. It's nothing like X Five. Xfinity X Five does go faster. That's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's more than just fast though, Mike. It's reliable, and that means that everybody gets to do more of what they love with faster internet. We want to thank Xfinity for uh, being a great supporter of this podcast, a proud premier partner of NASCAR. Anything else, Mike? Well, I would say that if you want more long answers from Dale, then send your questions to at Xfinity Racing on Twitter. All right. Dale will give you long answers <laughs> on Ask Unit. Well, if you can't dive into the bleeder, if you don't really describe it, hey, what's I going on there? So we had to get there. Last call. All right, guys, it's last call. Episode 354 is in the bank. One important note for this week as we close out this podcast, the show Chase debuts this week on uh, on Peacock. All right, what is Chase? All right, so it's basically a documentary-style show about a trip I took to Dawsonville, Georgia to see Chase Elliott. Chase shows me around the pool room, talked a lot about his career. I sat down with his parents at their home and, and asked them a lot of questions. A lot of great information. I learned a ton about Chase. He's super guarded, man. He's really kind of quiet, not a guy that really likes to brag or boast or or share. I think he's uh, he's kind of modest and humble. Doesn't think that, you know, his life's all that cool. 
but yeah. it is. It is. People and yeah, so we got a little peek in there that uh, that was a lot of fun for me, and I think people are really gonna enjoy watching that documentary, whether you're a Chase fan or not. Uh, you get to learn about one of the greater personalities in our sport, and obviously a little bit of Bill Elliott in there as well. Speaking of Peacock, while you're there, be sure to watch Lost Speedways. Season 2 is out now, uh, so two full seasons of Lost Speedways right there on Peacock for you guys. Good chatter about the show in recent weeks, especially from the Dirt Track community about our episode on Pennsboro Speedway. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Dillner and Marcos, they went to the National Dirt Late Model Hall of Fame at Florence Speedway in Kentucky, and tons of fans, drivers, past drivers, uh, they were all talking about how much they loved that episode. So, anyways, Lost Speedway, season two on Peacock TV as well. You can watch the Dale Jr. download this week on NBC Sports Network. We're back to our normal time on Thursday at 6 p.m. That's Thursday, 6 p.m. for Buckshot Jones on the Dale Jr. download this week. Door bumper clear. They got a pretty interesting conversation this week. <laughs> Let's listen in. What's up, Dale Jr. Download fans? We hope you enjoyed our opening act. Now it's time for the main event. I'm Freddie Kraft, and you can stop right now and come listen to our podcast, Door Bumper Clear. That's right, Freddie. TJ Majors here, and we're back after Michigan to discuss my new job, driver COVID protocols, Brad Keselowski and Austin Dillon's crash, Daytona playoff cutoff expectations, and lots more. Yo, what's up? Brett Griffin's in the house, and you need to start listening to our show, Door Bumper Clear, right now, this week and every week, available on all major podcast platforms. Oh, so so interesting that they talked about the swap. All right, so TJ made this uh, made a crew And the holler meeting? Yeah. They finally come out and uh, uh, discuss it? I, yeah. I, they, got, they had to wait a week to get comfortable. They're, a little, they're too nervous to do that. Right yeah. out of the gate. Yeah. Because well, I, I thought we weren't going to talk about it, Mike, because I was in in the meeting. Right? I was there. You didn't say that. Well, I was in the meeting, and we all kind of agreed not to discuss it, but now they're they're out there talking about Old Door Bumper Clear can't help themselves. Well, listen, they were proud of themselves because they went a whole week without getting called Good to enough. the NASCAR yeah. hauler. So let's give them props where <laughs> right. props is They've due. started a new trend. They've started a <laughs> the streak. new streak. Yeah. All the right. streak is one. One week. <laughs> Hey, one other thing um, about Glorious Glorious Racing Stories podcast. This week's episode is embarrassing moments, which includes stories like bull riding gone bad, buddy parrot streaking. There's you an, uh, a, a, an image for your head. Yep. And a trip to Bill France Jr.'s office. So that's uh, on that's the Glorious Racing Stories this week. All right, guys. Well, hope you guys enjoyed uh, Buckshot on the show. Thanks for, uh, for Buckshot for coming through. And uh, giving us some of his time, telling him, telling us uh, what he's been up to. Hope everybody has a great week. We'll see you in Daytona. Hopefully, you're going to tune in. It's going to be some awesome racing this weekend. Looking forward to it. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo. Dirty Mo.